Let's do a quick test real quick, Ryan, and then we'll get into the games you've been playing. All right, let's do it. I have uh, not been playing RuneScape because that would not be good. (laughs) Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 140 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and once again, finally, I'm rejoined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan. How the heck have you been doing? I'm back, bitches. <laughs> I'm doing good, man. It's uh, It's been a while. Um, we've had Pete Tor on, we've had Lauren on, and uh, I have returned. And there's just been silence from the Otaku Brothers for two months, over two months at this point. I think the last episode you and I recorded together was on April 2nd. So, yeah, we are two months. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We have lots to talk about today. Ryan and I are going to be keeping it relatively chill. But in the back half of the show, we have Summer Games Fest hosted by the wonderful Jeff Keeley next week. So we're going to talk about that a little bit, where our hype levels are at, some predictions. But if you're new to Otaku Brothers, Ryan and I typically kick off the show talking about recent life happenings, just some life updates that might be relevant that we want to bring to the show. We also, each and every episode, talk about the games that we have been playing recently. I know I've been playing some good stuff, playing some Switch recently, nice, mixing it up a little bit. So we're going to be uh, talking a lot about that stuff. And then uh, re- recently, Lauren and I, my wife, we were traveling the world, quite literally. Yeah, no kidding. So I want to talk about some of those trips as well. But Ryan, let's just kick it off. I want to hear from you. I want to hear how you're doing. It's been two months. Yeah, we really haven't talked too much. I mean, you've been away and I can't text you when you're out of the country because phone plans and things. And uh, yeah, I haven't really seen you much. So this is kind of the first time we've really been in the same room in a while. Mm -hmm. No, it is. I mean, I was telling Lauren uh, earlier this morning because I had to drop my car off to get some service stuff done. And I was like, I don't think I've seen Ryan in like a month and a half-ish. Yeah. No, it's it's been a while. Um, Like even texting you this week, I'm like, when's the last time I texted Rusty kind of thing about the, the episode? But yeah, it's been good. I've just been trying to catch up on my new year's resolutions um trying to check off a few boxes mm-hmm. um so one of those was trying to teach the dog um a new trick every two months so i'm working on that um she's getting a lot better at being next to me on my left when i'm walking which is kind of how i want it um i don't want her pulling um it's just i had to teach dad how to walk her this mm-hmm. morning just so she's consistent and gets the same cues um and then also Every time I stop, I want her job when we're walking to be looking at me oh. just to double check where I'm at. So if I slow down, I want her pace to slow down. If I stop, I want her to stop and then sit. So what I've been doing is every time I cross a street, so like one sidewalk to the next sidewalk, I stop and then she looks ends up looking at me or looks over to see that i've stopped and then she sits down and she's gotten a lot better at it good so i've been doing that um picked up a new hobby which is one of my other goals i've gotten back into swimming oh nice and i i found out that i have a lot of energy and i need to get rid of it or else i'm just like fucking all over the place yeah, you're like a little kid 
Yeah, pretty. Yeah, I'm a big little kid. Yeah. And swimming has been really good. Dude, I could have told you that a long time ago. I know. It takes me just, I'm slow. Saves you the trouble. I'm a slow little kid. Um, so yeah, I, I got into swimming again. It's been a lot of fun. It's it's a really good way to get my energy out. I ended up swimming two miles yesterday. Whoa! Yeah, good which is um, thirty five hundred yards. All right, Michael so Phelps. Yeah, not I'm not there yet. Do you eat like fifteen thousand calories a day too? I well, <laughs> fuck my. Th- I had a um, I had to get my tire fixed or my car fixed um, yesterday. But before that, I picked up a Chipotle burrito. And like when Lauren and I ate lunch the other weekend, it was the first time I had Chipotle in like two years. What? Yeah, because my go-to has been Subway. Oh, okay. I, I've been enjoying Subway. I'm getting a foot long. And, Does uh, Jared still hang out around those parts? Only if there's little kids there. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, and he's only going for six inches. I'm going for the full foot. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I, I ended up picking up a burrito. It was a bowl, and then I get the tortilla on the side. And God, this thing was like a small child worth of food. It oh. was like two pounds. And then I swam 2,300 yards in the afternoon. And I was, that first 800, I had like a baby inside of me. I was about to say, I'd be vomiting everywhere. Yeah, but it's been nice um, getting that D, uh, vitamin D being outside. The, okay, so you're swimming, pool swimming outside. Up. Um, at the Y near me, so that's been a lot of fun. Um, and then I got when I was getting my car fixed yesterday because I ended up getting a flat tire. I think a weekend ago, mm. which is my first experience trying to do car stuff myself. Um, which my boss gave me a hard time about. He's like, "You buy shit for cars, and you don't know how to do car stuff. Like, you need to take a class." Or I'm something. one of the least handy people ever. So yeah, I mean, I called you or Lauren. Lauren didn't know, and you knew. No, my dad knew. Oh, okay. Remember? Because we were yeah, we were on the way to the dog shelter to see if my dad wanted to adopt a dog. And uh, he was in the backseat talking through the speaker. Mm-hmm. Like, Ryan, this is what you got to do. Because about- oh, I thought it was you talking. Oh, it was your dad? I don't have that sexy of a voice. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I I overestimated your sexiness. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it has been- Sorry. It's- <laughs> it has been two months since we've recorded. Yeah. So. I'm like, the junior's turning into the senior. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, so I ended up YouTubing that one. Um, I shredded my tire driving on it, though, flat. So I had to buy a new tire. Um, but, yeah, it, it's all part of the experience of life, mm-hmm. learning how to change stuff. And I'm still, it's like, changing oil. I don't have that ability. What about yeah. you? Yeah, so it's been an eventful few months for Lauren and I. I will not bore the listeners with all the details, but there's a couple of stories that I want to circle back on that I think I – Talked about um, certainly on the episode with you. I'm sure Lauren had brought up some of the details when you guys did your episode. But many moons ago, and by that I mean like three, four months ago, Lauren and I were experiencing some water damage internally to our home. And we didn't really know what the source was. And so there was one day in particular where water was kind of coming through our walls right when you walk into our home on the right. There's like this little nook. And that was when we were like, okay, this is to the extent where we need to involve insurance at this point. So we called up insurance. They came out the next day. They had a field agent that kind of assessed the damage. They got a roofer that come up. And I think we briefly talked about this, where there was a giant hole kind of on the upper right side of our house. Yeah. And that was kind of where all this water was coming through, going down our ceiling, and the water needs to escape somewhere. So it's been coming through the walls. Well, 
Back then, this is also around the time where late at night, Lauren and I'd be downstairs in the main room watching movies or playing games or whatever, and we would hear some like scratching noises up on the ceiling as if something was moving around. Mm -hmm. And it was only at night, so we figured like maybe we have some kind of raccoon situation going on. Or Demogorgon. Demogorgon too. That's also a possibility. You just never know. And so when insurance came out and we were talking them through what we were experiencing, kind of what we were hearing... They were like, yeah, the hole is way too small for it to be a raccoon. These are probably squirrels. And if you haven't had a situation like this, and I'm, I'm talking to the listeners at this point, you should look into your home homeowner's insurance policy and better understand what type of critters they cover because my homeowner's insurance policy does not cover squirrel, squirrel damage, but they cover raccoon damage. Mm. So big, big determination into whether or not you know, all of this damage we've been experiencing was going to be covered through our insurance policy. So anyways, he was saying squirrels. We were like, no, we're only hearing it at night. We think it's some type of nocturnal animal. We think it's raccoons. So fast forward about a month or so, we were kind of at war with insurance because they didn't really assess our roof and identify any weather-related damage, which they would have needed to identify, you know, pretty significant hail or wind damage in order to, again, pay out the claim. Yeah. And at this point, things are bad enough where Lauren and I need to replace the entirety of our roof. So we were at war with them for several weeks. They weren't getting back to us. It was just a tremendously stressful uh, situation uh, and process. There was very like little to no sense of urgency on their side of things to move things forward. And of course, here in the Midwest, during the late March, April timeframe, it's just raining, if not every day, every other day. Yeah. And not sure. light rains. I mean, significant downpours for extended periods of time. Yeah. Inches per day. Yeah. And that means we have buckets getting inches of water every day. And we're also at this point very concerned about potential black mold because yes, drywall is meant to dry pretty quickly, but if it's getting pounded by rain every day, yeah. you're not giving it any time to dry. So anyways, Lauren gets word that she has to go to the Netherlands for work. So she flies over to the Netherlands for two weeks and she also gets word that she has to bounce over to Ireland for a week. Nice. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm between jobs. I'm getting ready to start my new role, yeah. right? So I was like, I am stressed to all hell. I'm going to fly to Ireland with you and spend three days there before I start my new job. Hell yeah. So I was able to do that. But before I get to the whole Ireland stuff, I'm going to stay on the, the house side of things. So I remember one night uh, I moved my PS5 downstairs just so I can kind of keep an eye on all of the the rain-related damage. It's pouring down rain, pouring down rain, and I went and looked out the blinds or out the uh, the window, and I saw this mammoth raccoon. Like this thing was a fucking like small bear, like, like final boss raccoon. <laughs> yeah, like seriously, this thing was insanely big, and. uh I didn't even put two and two together and think about that this could be the thing living up there. Mm -hmm. To make a very long story short, we get back from Ireland. We get back from a second trip that we took. And I went to the grocery store one night and I come home and I'm walking up to the door and I see this juvenile, like baby looking raccoon on our roof. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I'm like, all right, well, now I know what's going on yeah. uh, because now Laura and I started hearing more more creatures running through our ceiling over the course of the day and into the night. 
So what we found out or kind of, you know, starting to thread together the story and connect the dots, we think that a mama raccoon chewed through that rotten wood up there, climbed in, crawled into the very back of our home because normal raccoon pattern is to find an entry point into a home and then crawl into the very back or burrow their way through the entirety of your house to get to the back corner. Why is that? I don't know really why it is. Security, maybe? Security, probably just to make sure that there's enough space between them and the hole if predators were to come in type of Uh deal. Uh, I don't really know what the deal is, but they nest in the very back corner from where their entry point is. We think this mama raccoon gave birth to however many baby raccoons, and over the past two months, these things have gotten to juvenile size, and now they're running amok up on our ceiling. They've chewed through all kinds of insulation and shit. They've nested through really the entirety of our roof at this point. We involved critter control. We've gotten someone up on our roof to lay cages. We think there's at a minimum five to six up there, if not more. And we've only caught one. And in order for insurance to move forward with um, replacing the roof, we need to be able to catch these raccoons. Okay. Do they? I guess you can't seal the hole. To like stop new ones coming in because they'll burrow out of your house. They will. Okay. They'll find another way to get out, which would just probably be worse. What they do with the raccoon? Do they do they relocate it or do they? That's illegal in Ohio. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay. I think skunks they drown them. Yikes. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's what they did to one of my coworkers. Uh, skunks under the the deck. Mm. But, yeah. That that's unfortunate. So yeah. Hopefully so- you have good luck with your hunting skill. Yeah, so it's been a, a rough couple of months. I mean, that and for the number of appliances that have, you know, unexpectedly gone out over the past couple of months that Lauren and I've had to replace two. More recently, our AC unit broke. So it's been like 85, 90 degrees here in Ohio. So Scoob's tongue was out. He was fucking like, you know, passed out on the floor. Uh, so fortunately, we got that fixed and everything like that. But it's been a rough go of things. Um you know, I don't really have much hair to lose at this point, but I feel like I've lost a considerable amount over the past. Yeah, you made months. a good point before the, we started recording that like my tire becoming flat is such a small like it, just problem to deal with compared to like fucking armies of raccoons and like replacing microwaves and everything. Yeah, microwave broke, yeah. hot water tank broke. And partially, that's probably me opening it the incorrect way. Yeah, it's no big deal at this point. It's small fish compared to everything else going on. Um, hey, at least you're making some progress, and at least it's raccoons versus squirrels. So there's some silver lining, but it's still a shit show. Yeah, no, and, and we really are tr- so fortunate because we thought with insurance they weren't going to really replace anything. Now they're repla- replacing 50% of our roof and all of our siding, uh, which is such a big win. And we have to see the glass half full at this point yeah. with that. Uh, but now it's just a matter of getting those raccoons out of there. So uh, no big deal. We're going to make it through. And you got video games to, you know, ease the pain. Yeah, for so sure. It's all good. But speaking of trips, I briefly mentioned Lauren going to the Netherlands. She had a wonderful time. And then she was going to go to Ireland. And I'm like, okay, I have to bounce over there, see the pub scene and meet for the very first time friend of the show i've known him for like 11 years at this point dean also known as irish Steeler in the discord so i got over there on a friday i uh 
I think they're about five, six hours ahead of us. Yeah, something like that. that. So I got there Friday morning. Lauren flew from the Netherlands over to Ireland. We met at the Dublin airport, got to our hotel. And at this point, we kind of just wanted to get around town, get our first pint at a pub, get some fish and chips, which we did. Uh, The first pub that we hit, we got some great fish and chips, got a couple of pints. And then we walked over to the Guinness storehouse. So Guinness beer, obviously brewed in Dublin, Ireland. Um, and the really unique thing about the Guinness storehouse, one, it's just a really unique and, 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 uh, the architecture there is just pretty cool. Um, but it's basically like an eight story building where each floor has a different part of the process of brewing the beer. And you kind of get to see, um, that process. Is it for show or is that the, an actual, like, I don't know, plant for producing beer? Like it's all functional. Like yeah, actually they, producing. Yeah, they do like kind of um, in a neighboring building. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're not so watching. This is more of like a mu- not a museum, but a yeah. Kind you of know, it's kind of like a museum. I mean, it's not like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. There's like Oompa Loompas running around. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, they're at a loss. I mean, add Oompa Loompas and it would be pretty cool though if they had a river of Guinness that you could fall in and start drinking <laughs> yeah, it. Though. Get sucked up into wherever. Yeah. <laughs> No. Just gobstroppers that are beer flavored. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. There was none of that going on. Did you on, win though. the factory at the end? No, but I did, you know, start floating through the air and burping a lot. Okay. You know, that's Second, what happens when yeah. you drink beer. But I know at the very end, you kind of get out up to this, um, the top of the tower and you can look out across all of Dublin, Ireland, at least the city, and you get a complimentary Guinness. Nice. You drink that. And uh, there was like a DJ up there playing like house music and just like, Hell yeah. It was bumping, man. People <laughs> yeah. were having a good old time, nice. and so were we. Uh, Guinness is tough to get down, though. I mean, it is literally like a Thanksgiving meal in a glass. Really? Is it just heavy? Oh, it's really heavy. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's a darker brew, uh, but it was definitely not the type of beer that I'm used to. Because I drink really light, you know, piss yeah. beer, like, you know, Coors Light, so. Yeah, Guinness seems strong. Yeah. Like, it, it almost sounds like an IPA level of strength, or a little bit below that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, not the same level of I'm not a beer person. Alcohol content, but where does Ireland fall compared to your trip like your want to go to Japan? Is Japan's it- top of the list, so is New okay. Zealand. Um Ireland was probably like around number three. Okay. In terms of bucket list places I wanted to visit. Uh more so for the, just the countryside and just the mm-hmm. sheer beauty of the country, but also just to meet and interact with the locals, the pub scene. And that was what was most fun, is just Meeting the people, how welcoming everyone was. Um, you know, I didn't feel like they were treating us like crap because we were Americans, you know. <laughs> Those people. Yeah. yeah. The food was so good. Um, you know, we had the beef stew. I already said fish mm. and chips. Uh, and I love that, you know, they don't say French fries there. Like chips or French fries. Yeah. You know, and every meal that we got, we chips. had a heaping ton <laughs> of French fries. What do they call chips? Like actual crisps, chip, crisps, yeah, fucking Europeans in their <laughs> fancy language. <laughs> yeah, so that was good. Um, yeah, the interesting thing about the pub scene there, and just really the building layouts is they're very thin and narrow, but when you go into the pubs, they're stretched out and really long. Mm. Instead of okay. you know when you come to America, it's like a BW threes. It's just a big open, like almost a cube or like a big rectangle environment. Yeah, but there it's just really elongated and thin and narrow. And the seating there is different too, because like in the states, when you go to bars, it's you have tables separating each group of people. Yeah, where there you just have uh, the these booths 
these you know leather seating that stretch the wall and these tiny little tables um, every couple of feet. So when you're sitting down, you're really kind of in the midst of everyone else. Do you find that improves the atmosphere being almost forced to talk to other people in your booth? Thousand percent. And even if you're not interacting with those people, um, it's difficult not to like hear what everyone's saying, yeah. you know. But um, yeah, it's just this almost like big. Um, like a party. Yeah. I mean, it just kind of feels like this big old party, which was pretty neat. So, uh, but yeah, that first day we went to the Guinness storehouse and then we just kind of pub hopped for the, the remainder of the evening. The following day, we went to St. Patrick's Cathedral, which was stunning and such a cool experience because, you know, when you go into a church like that, you anticipate it to be pretty quiet. Yeah. Uh, but there's so much rich history there that you want to learn about. And so you can go on a tour, uh, which we opted not to do. And I'm glad we didn't because right when you walk in, there's this lady that hands you um, basically these little cordless phones. Oh, cool. And you go around and all of the items placed around the church have these numbers associated with them. You type that number into the phone and you hold the phone up to your ear and there's like two to five minutes of dialogue explaining the history around that item. So it's not a functional church. It's a like a museum almost. I think they might still have services of some degree there. Really? I think okay. so. I could be wrong. I'm not really sure. Um, but yeah, yeah. Getting to see European churches like that Gothic style, that would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it was it was awesome. It's almost like you're in Bloodborne. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I didn't really think about it like that. Yeah. But, you know. Um, but yeah, so we spent, you know, at least two hours there could have spent, you know, three to four cause there's, you never could have like listened to every little thing when I mean, you could have, it would have just taken a while, but it was neat too, because you'd look at, uh, an item kind of on the wall and it would, the person talking to you would say, all right, now turn to the left and look up and you should see this stained glass on the, you know, the ceiling or, you know, against the wall. And it'd kind of walk you through the story that that stained glass was depicting. Um, How old is that church? Oh, that's a good question. That 1600s, maybe? I think so. That okay. sounds about right. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. But there's over like 600 people buried there. Really? Yeah. Um, so that was pretty cool. And then after St. Patrick's Cathedral, I think we grabbed lunch. And then we met up with Dean. Very nice. Which was so cool. You know, when you either hear someone on a podcast for years, you watch someone's YouTube channel for years, or, you know, like my interactions with Dean have been more like through Discord and Twitter interactions and, you know, talking about the Steelers or whatever it might be. You kind of establish this this person in your brain of like who they, they are in person. Yeah. But when you actually meet him, there's this kind of like shock of like you're almost meeting a celebrity of sorts. Did he live up to the hype? Well, that, that's what I was going to get to <laughs> of like at first there's this initial shock of like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm seeing you in person. Yeah. Can I get your autograph? But then five minutes later, it's just like you've been friends forever, Yeah, you know, nice. and we just started talking about all kinds of random things. And he was telling about his upbringing, you know, with the the PlayStation 2 and playing Metal Gear Solid and um, all kinds of fun things. I mean, it was just we chatted for hours and hours. And then after that, we were like, all right, it's about time to uh, go get some food somewhere. So we scooted over to a different pub, uh, much bigger than the one we were in. I mean, this is almost like a, a club okay. that you would expect to see like in downtown or kind of where we are. And it was funny because there were these two women who wanted to get their dance on and they were going up to all these different tables trying to get these guys to come out and dance with them. And um, Dean was kind of saying that the Irish guys talk a big game, yeah. but rarely, uh, rarely are they going to get on the dance floor and dance with people like this. And so they came over to our table 
And I was sitting closest to the dance floor. Lauren was sitting on my left and Dean was across the table and they grabbed my hand and I was, I looked at Lauren and I'm like, girl, I got to get my dance on. So <laughs> the ladies want me. <laughs> <laughs> I am a hot commodity here as, as a dancing American. <laughs> She's just like, yeah. fine. At least you're not on tables this time. <laughs> yeah. That was a thing at one point, but, um, but yes, yeah, so I got to the dance floor. I was doing the worm and it was funny because she was like, oh my, she's like, holy fuck, man. That's the best thing I've ever seen in my fucking life, you know, type of thing. Um, and I apologize in advance, Dean, for my terrible Irish accents. But um, but yeah, it, it was just a fun experience. You know, when you're there, it's like one in Rome, you know, you just got to do yeah. it. So um, that was cool. And then the following day, we did like a 12 hour bus ride to go see the Cliffs of Mar. Unfortunately, it was very foggy, but just the experience of it was great. And our, our bus kind of tour guide. Uh, really went through some really interesting history throughout Ireland. She also kind of talked through the whole Viking scene and and what that was like, you know, way back when. And it really got me wanting to go back and play the Ireland DLC in Valhalla. Oh, cool. But um, so that was neat. And then uh, after the bus tour, we bounced, you know, came back to, to Dublin, Ireland and found another pub. And I sang Tub Thumpins by Chumbawamba. This is the fucking name of that song is ridiculous. They had some karaoke going on. So I was like, you know what? There is no way I'm not going to leave my mark here in Dublin singing some karaoke. What better song to sing than Tump Thumpin' by Chumbawamba? I went up there and because there was a lady like obviously kind of managing the machine and the songs and everything like that for people that wanted to sing. And I looked at her and I was like, yeah, um, can I can I sing Tub Thumpin' by Chumbawamba? She looked at me like I had 12 heads and was like, <laughs> I don't know what you just said. It kind of sounds like you just stroked out. Yeah. Medic. <laughs> Over here. He's had too many Guinness. <laughs> but uh, I sang that. I got the whole place bumping. Everyone was, you know, jumping up and down like crazy people. Bumping, tub thumping. Yeah, oh, dude. To go. It was a party. And then I went back to my seat. And this guy came over to me and said, like, what do you do for a living? And I said, uh, I'm an IT. <laughs> <laughs> Please let me bore you with operating systems and shit. <laughs> and uh, he's like, "Oh man, you're in the long wrong line of business." He's like, "You're an entertainer," and uh, and then he grabbed my face and kissed me on the cheek. Very so nice. And then I went home and I had pink eye in both my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you thought tub thumped too hard <laughs> out in Ireland. Yeah, yeah, you are. I don't know if it's your immune system or what, but you're you're susceptible. Susceptible. Like for every trip, you seem to like come back diseased <laughs> or like less of a human. Than it's when only when I travel though, because when I'm home, I rarely get sick. Like it yeah. is very. I don't wash my hands. You know, <laughs> very unusual for me to get sick. Like especially like that, because I, I had I came home and just the nastiest cough I've ever had in my life. Um, yeah, you look like hell for the pictures you sent me. I'm like, I see why Lauren's like 30 feet away in the background. Yeah. And then like four to five days after that, that's when like my eyes started like fucking seeping mucus. And <laughs> got like crusted shut. Eye stuff. I, I hate eye stuff. Like, and then of course, I didn't know what was going on. So I rubbed my other eye and then that eye got you know, pink eye in both my eyes. So it was a rough go, but man, it was worth it for Dublin. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Nice. So that was fantastic. And then- about a week after that, Lauren and I um, had already planned a trip to go to the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. So we went there. And uh, I won't really go into all the finer details of that trip. It rained pretty much the entire time we were there. Uh, but the saving grace of any trip is when you bring the Nintendo Switch. Oh, yeah. So Lauren and I played Mario Party Superstars for like pff, 
every night. I mean, we probably put like 10 hours into Mario, uh, Mario Party over the course of the week. Uh, and it was just nice, too, to get out of the house, get yeah. away from the stress of that. Because this is about the same time where we got confirmation that there were like 12 raccoons living in our ceiling. Mm. And uh, we just needed to get away from that. So, Did you film another Survivor video for next year? I didn't. No, I did a lot of planning, though. Okay. So um, I kind of have the... I have the idea of what I want to record mapped out. Okay. I just need to um, record it, edit it all together type of deal. And I want this one to be far less scripted, a little bit more just off the cuff. Um, It's more just the types of things that I want to film and edit together. Because I've seen a few other audition tapes, uh, especially from this past season, uh, 42. Or is it 42? Yeah, season 42, which was freaking amazing. Okay. Survivor 42 was so, so good. Excellent cast. Uh, the final three was awesome, and just uh, every episode was just such a good, such a good time. And um, but that just got me, you know, more excited and kind of energized to get that audition tape out there. And hopefully, they gave me a call. You know, Jeff Probst, if you're listening to the show, I'm ready to go. Uh, <laughs> he's an avid lif- listener of the Attack Brothers. Yeah, exactly. And if he's not, I'm sure the casting team is. So, yeah. <laughs> but um, anyways, the last thing I'll mention is that I did start my new role, um, kind of in this. I was previously an audit. Now I'm on this like cloud application security team. Sounds super fancy. I'm still kind of finding my footing. Um, unfortunately, my kind of direct day-to-day manager uh, last weekend went rock climbing and he fell like 10 to 15 feet and oh, had shit. a compound fracture to his tib and fib. So wow. literally like his leg popped out of its skin. So. Yeah, I mean, breaking your legs, the, some those are, I think, the most painful breaks. Mm-hmm. At least your upper, your quad, if you break those bones, you're fucked. Yeah. Like, it, it's painful. Did he get a concussion or anything? If you're falling, your head's snapping back. I don't know how exactly he fell. I think he's going to be back in the office this week, uh, probably pretty strung out on all kinds of drugs, because I don't even want to know what type of pain meds you're taking for that. Yeah. But. That's going to be rough. And I doubt that he's going to be, you know, eight hours. He's going to drive in. He won't. I mean, he's he's full remote anyways. Okay. But um, when I say back in the office, I mean like in the the virtual sense. I was going to say if he's driving downtown, (laughs) pain medications with a broken leg. I'm like, you're really like into your job. (laughs) Yeah. No, no job is that exciting. No. Um. But, but yeah, no, it's been a great team, welcoming team, um, definitely uniquely challenged. I feel like every day I'm drinking from a fire hydrant in terms of how much I'm learning and That's good. so many acronyms. I, I literally feel like I need a translator in every meeting I'm in because I have no idea what the hell anyone's saying. It's almost like listening to Lauren, my dad talk when we were at, or when Lauren was at her, her old place. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. all of that aside, Ryan, um, it's been a fun if not stressful few months, you got to balance it out with some European travels and uh, you got to balance it out with some good video games. Yeah, for sure. Do you want to get into the games? Let's do it. Yeah. Why don't you kick things off and uh, share with the good people, Ryan? What have you been playing? I've been playing a lot, actually. Um, So I think the first game I started playing after our last recording was Code Vein. Oh, yeah. I forgot you were playing Um, that. Yeah, I've played, I think, five games. I've beaten two, which is actually getting up there for me. But yeah, Code Vein. It is a crazy game. It's basically like an anime version of Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not terrible. It's not. It's not as difficult as I would say a Dark Souls game is. Um, and if you're exploring, um, you definitely level up enough. So that's good. 
Um, it, it's nuts. Like the story doesn't make sense. Like there's blood crystals because you're like a vampire and non-human because there was this like queen lady who was like an experiment. And then there's blood veins and blood trees and you just need blood, blood, <laughs> blood, blood. <laughs> and then there's like people who are fragments of the queen's soul that you have to like revive as like bosses. And then if you find all of these memory things in the level that they're in, you get more memories and they turn into a friendly monster. That sounds like a nice crossover with Kingdom Hearts. It's just like, it take yeah, it's Kingdom Hearts on like a weird sexualized anime style. Yeah, there's opportunity there for a crossover. <laughs> yeah, Sora just needs to take off his pants and you basically have Code Vein. <laughs> <laughs> just a, a larger moon, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm actually stuck. I have... I think there's like 18 different levels and I'm on 15. So I'm pretty oh, okay. far through. Um, there's just one boss at the end of 15 that I'm stuck on. Um, you know, Ornstein and Smo, mm-hmm. how it was like the combination of, or the juxtaposition between like the slower kind of bulky dude mm-hmm. and then the fast guy. So just imagine they have like seven times the amount of health. So they're really hardy. And then they're on speed, and they're sprinting around the map, both of them. Like, it's – that's the boss I'm on. And, like, you – it's nice because you have a companion, but mm-hmm. your companion dies within, like, two hits. And then you're stuck fighting these two bosses that can sprint, like, within a second. Like, it's – I don't know if I'll ever be able to beat it kind of thing. Unless I grind. So, <clears throat> I ended up putting it down – I really enjoyed my time with it. It it scratched the itch that I was kind of wanting. Um, I I would more or less consider it beaten Mm -hmm. in my mind, but hopefully, eventually, I'll get good enough. Did you you ever roll credits in Elden Ring? No, not yet. Okay. And that's mostly because, one, I kind of burnt myself out playing like 150 hours in a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, And then I feel like once I roll credits, it's over. I mean- obviously but i don't know i just don't want it to be over they have new game plus though don't they they do and yeah. i have like three characters i still have my will smith character who is just fists only run you should probably retire that character at this point. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah probably um no i i'll eventually get there's a few unbeaten games that i still have to close out before the end of the year elden ring will for sure be one of them okay code vein Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after Code Vein, I played Assassin's Creed Origin. Nice. For like nice. 20 to 25 hours. Okay. Um, really think? enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, I, I don't know. I was still feeling like like RPG type feel. Um, so Origins, I love the atmosphere. I love just running around the giant maps. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's huge. Um, and then seeing the pyramids, Egypt and Egypt and all of that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I um, loved, loved my time with origins. I talked about it, uh, several episodes back at this point. I think I can say with absolute certainty that it's my favorite Assassin's Creed ever. Um, a lot of that is, has to do with the story, but back in the day, like when we were still playing, you know, the Assassin's Creed revelations and brotherhoods and threes of the world, I, and there were rumors about eventually going to an Egyptian setting that was always like my dream because yeah. I just love learning about Egyptian history and mummies and, you know, everything about e- Egyptian stuff is just fascinating to me. Um, and to mm-hmm. me, I think they executed on that so well. And especially because I'd sworn off the series for so long 
because I really didn't like the the change from traditional AC to this new RPG stuff that they're going for. Yeah, and this is the first kind of attempt at that. Um, I think the last one, I can't remember, it was Brotherhood before 3 or was 3 before Brotherhood? It was 2, Brotherhood, Revelations, and then 3. Okay, I don't know if I ever did Revelations. I definitely did 3, so that would have been my last one. I went to Odyssey, never got maybe 25 hours into that. Mm-hmm. Um, that The thing that pissed me off about that was just how slow XP was. Oh, gosh, and dude. Don't was, get me started. It was built around a slow, like, making you do microtransactions. Mm-hmm. And I had to or else I wouldn't enjoy the game. Um, and I feel like Odyssey also falls into that. Not as you mean Origins? Or Origins, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like it falls into that camp as well. Uh-huh. Um, like, I was seven <laughs> levels over because I always like to see how powerful you can get before you go into things. Um, like boss battles or yeah, progressive just you story. start stuff. Like, how powerful will this game allow me to get before it puts up a wall? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's definitely a wall, like upgrading your damage and things with um, treasures you have to find around the map. But I was like, by the time I got done grinding out, like I basically rode around on a ship killing other ships for a while, which was a ton of fun. Just to put on Netflix or something. Dude, I love like hijacking the different boats and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, just... I mean, that's pretty much all I did. There was like a bunch of tigers in cages. I like hit that boat and then I'd use my eagle to find like iron or something. And then I'm like, let's fuck up that boat. And I was basically a pirate for... One of my favorite um, like things about this new Assassin's Creed game, for, for those that haven't played them, is that you have this eagle in both, well, in Valhalla and Origins and Odyssey. And you use the directional pad just to you know, can start controlling this eagle, you fly over a particular area of the map and similar to the Far Cry games, you can basically lock on or target or flag all of the nearby enemies and all the nearby treasures. And so yeah. you basically, whether it's a boat or it's an enemy encampment, you just basically target all the enemies, identify where all of them are, identify where all of the treasures are, and then you just go in and you can either, again, whip out your swords and start just slaughtering people or you can stealthily take out each person. Yeah, no, I really like that addition. And then it allows you to put a marker on the map, which, I mean, it is really nice, especially in the open world. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I did. And then it slowed. Like, by the time I did a few main quests, my levels, I was already underleveled. So you have to do a lot of side stuff. I, w- I looked in the store. I'm like, this is going to get really rough if it's a 60-hour game to be this underleveled or have to do all the side shit. Origins is the shortest story of the three newer Assassin's Creed games. I think it took me about 55, 60 hours to platinum. Okay. But you can probably get through the story if you're really rushing through it in about 30-ish, 25, 30. Yeah, I want to say I'm level 25, and I don't know how many tiers of kind of the dudes you have to take down, um, but I'm on the second rung of kind of main people to take down in the story that you need to assassinate yeah so like the bottom rung was like five people and i think this one's three or four and then i'm assuming there's like a couple more rungs before the final boss yeah yeah but yeah i'm enjoying my time with it um i probably won't go back to it for a while maybe sometime this summer if i'm getting an itch for it Mm -hmm. but I mean, as you were saying, like, and I'll get to it when I start talking about the games that I've been playing, because I started Odyssey, and it is such a complimentary game to throwing on Netflix or a Twitch stream or a podcast, because that gameplay loop of, like, just, you know, mapping out where all those enemy fortresses are, 
or boats or whatever uh, and just knocking those out, that's three or four hours of just Netflix binging. You know? Yeah, and the pro- my one of my issues with that was the weapons scale to you. Mm-hmm. So, like, I can't go – what I tried to do because I was trying to figure out the game – was I went into like a high level place. Like on the map, it says this is for level 40 people. So I went to that and we uh, similar to what we were talking to off screen was everything a really like three or four levels higher than you is a skull. Like basically you can't touch this person. But I like snuck my way around through the skulled people, grabbed one of the treasures, which is like a legendary weapon. And it scaled to my like level 11. I'm like, fuck. Now I'm going to have to level this up with coins for the rest of the game if I want to use this weapon. That or, I mean, it won't let you equip the particular item. Like if you get a level 40 weapon and you're level 12, well, you have a long ways to go before you can equip that weapon. Yeah, I don't like that. That just pisses me off. And that's just because for most of the RPGs I found, like play, you can find endgame stuff early. early and yeah. it allows you to have fun with it. Like mm-hmm. Black Knight's Two-Handed Greatsword or like Skyrim making your own shit and then just destroying the game. That's just the Ubisoft way though. Unfortunately, yeah, I'm, you're not going to change Ubisoft. I, I'll, I just have to adapt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I, I enjoyed that. Um, and then while I was playing really all of these games, including the two, the next two, I've been playing RuneScape. Let's have a moment of silence, please. <laughs> Cue the angelic voices, please. Yeah. So, as a kid playing RuneScape, and I know I, I said I shouldn't be playing this, but I, the only reason I'm able to play it is because I'm playing other games, and what I'm doing is so AFK that I click every five minutes. So like I'm not actually really playing this game. However, you have that's to justify how I, it. That's how I justify it. And I'm not really doing drugs. I mean, <laughs> yeah, if- it's it's only every five minutes. <laughs> you only you, you only need to kneel yourself every five minutes. Oh, it's not no. bad. It's not every minute that oh, I have to click. No. no uh, so, as a kid, there was the legendary player Zazima, and or Zazima. Isn't that like the god of Scientology or something? Uh, that's yes. I think he is. He's like the fifth level. Okay. Yeah. And then the sixth level is Tom Cruise. <laughs> He's the final Scientology boss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but to get to him, it's an impossible mission. So, um, yeah, I was, I've was i been playing RuneScape kind of in the background. And so Zazima, Scientology god, he was level 126, which is the highest level you can get in the game. Mm. And when I played... Really? That's the level cap for RuneScape? 126. Yeah, 126. Um, in the old game, it was 138 when they added summoning. Oh. Um, but this is kind of the old version of the game, so it's 126. And when I played RuneScape originally, I never did combats. I was like, let's scale, let's cut wood, let's do the kind of that type of stuff. So I was never able to get to a majority of the PVM worth of stuff, which is... Uh, player versus monster so mm-hmm. like the bosses and that type of stuff um so i've always on my character i guess i'm back which is a reluctant name to fuck i'm here again <laughs> yeah uh one of my goals was to do what i never did originally when i played which is getting my combat quit up. yeah <laughs> you never really quit you just take sabbaticals <laughs> <laughs> okay pete yeah and so what I've been doing 
in the background, there's this AFK kind of um, cave where it allows you to click every five minutes, but you're slowly raising your combat level Mm -hmm. or your like my I'm upgrading my melee stats right now. Um, And there's three com or three stats for melee, which is attack, strength and defense. Mm -hmm. And then you have HP. But my goal is to max out my level and I've gotten three ninety nines just AFKing across these other four games. So I got (laughs) fucking smiling over there, you piece of shit. And uh, I I got strength, I got attack and then I got HP. Okay. And the last one, which I am six hours away from, is defense. And then I have the max level in the game. Then what happens? My membership runs out in three days. So you're going to renew? Then I have to pay for it. So I, I'm I'm on the fence. This is my out. Ben was like, you can buy a bond and you can get membership again. And I'm like, dude, this is like, I was still paying for membership and that's kind of why i went back i had like 45 days left Uh i'm like that's like 20 bucks worth of like membership and i'm like wait what is it an annual fee monthly what is it it's monthly and how much is it monthly i think it's like 10 okay it it, so three days until you're back when i was a youth yeah it it was i think it was around six and they've slowly increased it um but yeah it's like 10 bucks so um, I had two months worth of membership after I quit my first time, and I've just been doing this in the background. I'm like, I don't want to actually physically play RuneScape. I want to just AFK to kind of check off these, like, extremely AFKable skills. So, mm-hmm. almost to one of my goals for why I originally made this character. Okay. So, I'm happy with that. Now, while I'm watching... I watched one episode of The Boys this weekend, or yesterday. This is season three? Yeah, season three, which came out yesterday. And there's eight episodes. So I have seven hours worth of The Boys left, and I have six hours worth of defense until I max out and get that 99. What the fuck are you going to do that last hour of runes? You're going to have to at least do seven hours of runescape. You can't do six hours of runescape. <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll struggle through no runescape in the last episode Carl, of The Boys. What is Carl Urban going to do if you're not there watching him on The Boys if you're not playing RuneScape. Are you really watching the boys? <laughs> yeah. Are you really doing life if you're not RuneScaping? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm kind of happy. I'm pretty happy about that, actually. Um, and then while I was doing that scaping, I played Uncharted. I, I came out Hell of yeah. the RPG feel with Code Vein and uh, Origins. And I'm like, there's such good games. And I think it was, I don't know if there was, we were talking about in the discord at one point or it was mentioned, um, but we got that uh, up resed version. It was the combination of uncharted four for PS five. And then it was lost legacy. Yeah. It was like the legacy of thieves collection or thieves. It was legacy. like 10 bucks if you had uncharted. Yeah. And then it, you got those two games up rest. So I'm like, I think it, I started it a few months ago Yeah, when I was building my, pirate cove minecraft world Mm -hmm. and i got like halfway through there and then i just i was just feeling a shooter um so i ended up playing through uncharted 4 just amazing i think elena and nate's relationship is my favorite relationship in any game i think so two characters yeah like it it beats even um fuck kratos and atreus kratos and atreus and um last of us the first one 
Um, it, it's just so good. And then it, it's, well, it's so human is what it is, yeah. you know, and it's so real. And, and they play off each other so well. And I was, a, I ended up playing Lost Legacy as well after, which I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I, you've been telling me to play that for years, but I played through that. It's like a 10 hour game, a really fun experience. Um, just builds on not Ellie, but your other love interest. Chloe. For, yeah. Chloe from the second game. And then plays off the like the war person Nadine 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 from the fourth yeah and they go after each other and that relationship was a lot of fun yeah plus you have Sam in there um, yeah spoilers I, for like a five year old game at this point yeah and I didn't expect to see him and you kind of leave off Sam's story as like a cliffhanger at the end of four mm-hmm. so it's cool to like bookend yeah. where everyone's at. Yeah. Um, I think it was a good send off to at least some of the side characters because mm-hmm. you get a very finite cut or, or like a really great place at the epilogue with uh, 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 what's her face. Oh, I, so many names. I'm Elena and Nate. Oh yeah. So yeah. yeah, the epilogue you're happy with them, but yeah, lost legacy is great for the side characters. I then was thinking about going back to one, two, and three, mm, mm-hmm. but that's so much Uncharted in one time. So I'm like, I really, the only reason I was going to play through those games was to just see kind of the origin of those two relationships. Because coming out of four, I was so happy with that experience. And I ended up just watching a uh, a cutscene YouTube video oh, of nice. the first like two. A compilation of just all their yeah. interactions or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, so it was like a hour and a half long movie for each yeah. instead of a 30-hour game. The first game is great because they start out on that boat and she's kind of filming, you know, his little treasure hunt adventure. And then it gets blown up by pirates and they just kind of leave her. Yeah. And then it turns into like, uh, what was it? It was like cursed Nazi gold and then there's zombies everywhere. And then the second one you have um, Shambhala with like the tree sap of life and mm-hmm. like those giant... Yeah, I, I never got through three. Uh, I'll probably watch that. It's really? Like, I never got through the watching the cutscenes. Oh, I was like, you never played three? Oh, I for sure played. I've beaten okay. three. Okay. Apparently that one's only like 10 hours to play versus the like 20 to 30 of the other, the first two. Well, no. Uncharted 1 and 2 are like very short experiences. Are they? Oh, yeah. You can beat those games in probably six hours or less. I mean, there's little, there's literally trophies for speed running the game and beating it in like three hours. Oh yeah. Okay, because I, I four was pretty long. And four that, was meaty. Okay, four is definitely the longest by a long shot. Yeah, I was thinking that the other t- three games were that bulk. No, they're they're really short. Okay, and by really short, I mean you can you can beat it one sitting, like one day you can knock those games out. But I mean, it's yeah, recommended. You know, yeah. Are you watching <laughs> the boys? Are you playing RuneScape? Like you know, <laughs> you get away the the pros and the cons. Yeah. Um. So that's really all I've been playing. Um. After I get this 99, I'm tr- we do have the Gentleman's Challenge, but I'll let you get through the games you've been played or you played, and then we can get into kind of what we got chosen yeah, for yeah, Gentleman's no, Challenge. Absolutely. So kind of already talked about it a little bit when you were talking about Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, with the stress of the house and everything going on, I needed to just veg out and play something really mindless. And that's why... I went and picked up Assassin's Creed Odyssey, or actually borrowed your copy. And this is, of course, the second in this 
kind of trilogy of open world Assassin's Creed games. And I'm really enjoying it. I mean, the biggest shortcoming and frustration with it. Um, and I feel like this is the worst culprit of the three games in terms of like how much, how quickly they block you from moving forward and progressing the story. Yeah. For the number of times, like I've been really, in, I've actually been, if I had to rank the stories in terms of like how invested in them I am, Origins is at the top, Odyssey is a close second, and then Valhalla is like way down because that really? game's just too fucking long. Um, and I just didn't feel like the story was very interesting. But um, Cassandra, the main protagonist, at the Great. very beginning, you can choose between Cassandra and some other random dude. Amazing. Yeah, her voice actor is uh, great. Cassandra's yeah. a beast. Um, so love her, enjoying the story, love the ties between um, like the Spartans and King Leonidas and and all of that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, and gr- the Greek mythology stuff that they kind of tie in. Um, yeah, some of the mythology is like scattered around. Yeah, so that's been good. Uh, but I, yeah. Did, I think they did that type of stuff in Valhalla, but it was... Like more of dream sequences? Is that how that Yeah, was? you literally get to visit uh, wherever Thor lives. Okay. Asgard. Asgard. Yeah, you get yeah. to go there and interact with Thor. You fight Loki. That's like, cool. Oh, gosh. Valhalla has some really special moments, even if the game goes on way too damn long. But um, no, Odyssey has been the perfect game for me right now, given everything that we've been going through with the house. But again, it's it's been royally frustrating with... I'm at the end game. I've put 40, 45 hours into it already. And I, I'm, I have two, two main missions left. And I'm like eight levels below what I need to be to get to there. So this is like another Xenoblade Chronicle. It's exactly, yeah. It's a great comparison of like, I'm near the end game. I don't now want to have to go back into the world and do eight hours of side quests to get enough XP to see the credits roll. Just buy the uh, XP boost. I mean, that, that should help. You'll have to do some side quests, but at least it's boosted like 50%. Yeah. So um, this is another one kind of similar with you and Origins. I've kind of put on the back burner to play some other things, but getting through the stress of the house and that experience, even though it is still ongoing, uh, helped me get through that. Nice. Which was good. Whatever helps you. Yeah, that's right. And then um, when we went to the Bahamas, I brought my Switch. We played a lot of Mario Party. I won't really go into that. But I was looking for something else to kind of sink my teeth into. Um, I was holding off on Kirby and the Forgotten Land because for whatever reason, just wasn't really feeling that just yet. Mm-hmm. Thought about starting something like Fire Emblem Three Houses or Octopath or even Dragon Quest Eleven on the Switch. I, I wanted something a little bit more meatier. And so I ended up selecting Golf Story, mm, which okay. is a really fun little indie game if you're not familiar with it uh, i would the best comparison i can make is mario golf on the game boy color uh but more in particular mario golf um i think it was called advanced tour on the gba so for anyone if you're like me and ryan where mario golf on the switch didn't do it for you it really didn't scratch that itch of i'm looking for a mario golf rpg you know dating back to the Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance days, look no further. Golf Story is your game. Very nice. You start out as this little kid. um, Your dad's kind of teaching you the ways of golf. And then you go back, you go to sleep. It fast forwards like 10 years. And now you're basically hitting the links, trying to become a professional golfer. If I remember correctly, this one isn't like a toadstool tour type look. It's like a a Pokemon 16-bit 
look, right? Exactly. Yeah, no, it, it looks almost like a Super Nintendo game. It's a 16-bit style. You kind of have uh, this bird's-eye view of your character, and you go to several different courses interacting with all kinds of NPCs. Uh, the way you know an NPC has like a side quest for you is if they have like a little exclamation point above their head okay. kind of a deal. Yeah. And what you do is you just walk up to these people, you start chatting them up, the dialogue in this game, the writing is brilliant. Super wow. witty, I mean, literal laugh out loud moments for me. Like I've been showing Lauren the Switch, like you got to read this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, um, I took a couple of pictures and I posted them on Twitter, um, capturing some of those moments. But yeah, the writing is really special. And the moment to moment gameplay is just so addicting. Um, when Lauren and I were flying to the Bahamas, we flew through Chicago and then from Chicago to the Bahamas, Nassau. And probably around like six hours of flight time and airport time, mm-hmm. six hours, I did not put the game down. Wow. The really? whole time I was playing it. And then didn't play much Golf Story while we were in the Bahamas, but then on the way home, another six hours straight. So what is the gameplay loop? Like I can't really picture a top-down pixelated golf. Yep. So basically you have the ability to run around the map and with the click of a button, you can drop a ball and hit it. Hmm. And the hits, um, the actual golfing mechanic itself is very similar to your Hot Shots Golf. It's very arcadey. The three button click system okay. where you hit once to start the meter. You know, the end of the meter is your power shot and then back to, you know, really determine the accuracy of your shot. Yeah. And you have to take into account wind and other, you know, elemental things when you're you're hitting the ball. But overall, I mean, after playing the game for like 30 minutes, you get the system. It's pretty simple. Okay. The game's not too challenging. But the interesting thing is that on these courses, you have varying hazards. So on some holes, you might have a mole. And if you hit within the circular vicinity of this mole, he'll go and grab your ball and move it to a bunker or move it to the rough. So that adds an added element of complexity to determining where you're going to hit on the fairway, how far you're going to hit it, or how, you know, you know, all those types of things. So um, keeps you on your toes constantly, you know, um, in terms of, you know, you were getting at like, what's the gameplay loop? So basically, you're trying to become a professional golfer. That's the story element. And you go to varying golf courses doing a number of side quests for all these NPCs And in the midst of that, you do have an overall quest where you're progressing some story. So you might have a guy that's like, hey, I need you to go over to this other golf course because, you know, I'm looking for whatever item it is. So you go to the other course and you talk to one guy and he's like, oh, well, yeah, I understand what you need, but I need you to do something for me first before I give you that. And so that kind of sends you on this kind of like breadcrumbs trail of random side quests And as you're completing these side quests, you're accumulating money, you're accumulating experience points that you allocate either to like power, accuracy, like five different stats that affect your overall golf game. And when you level up, you get like five additional stat points to allocate to, you know, those varying um, statistics. So can you grind courses for XP? A little bit. I mean, not to the point where like like mini quest based. Exactly. So each of the quests that you do. Um, you get experience points, you get some money and the quest could be like, Hey, um, do you like putting? Yeah. Okay. Like let's do a like putting match. Hmm. And then you have to 
sink the ball like five times from varying areas of the green. And if you do that, then you get the money, you get the XP points or the experience points. And if you fail that quest, then you just restart it. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So really fun gameplay loop. I will say that, you know, on the flight home, when I got to like the 12 hour mark, I was kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of ready for this game to kind of start wrapping up. Yeah. Um, and I am pretty close. I think it's about 15 to 18 hours to finish. Um, and they do, it's not like the same side quests over and over when you go to the different courses. I think they mix up the formula just enough to kind of keep things interesting and keep me, you know, wanting to play more. That's good. Uh, and the writing, like I said, it's, it's hilarious. So, um, I didn't feel like when Mario Golf on the Switch, where it was just like the only thing that was changing was the course was getting a little bit harder. But yeah, like, or the, the environment's a little different or your character's different. Yeah, but I didn't care what Toad had to say in the next golf house, you know? Yeah. These people, like, I legitimately want to hear what each person has to say. Yeah, it's like the difference between Pokemon and Nexamon. Like, I could give two shits what Red has to say, whereas Nexamon has some witty things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's another good comparison. So, Golf Story, you can get it for next to nothing now. I think it's on Switch, maybe on Steam. And I think the same developers are currently developing a game called sports story okay which is kind of like next to um the hollow knight dlc that everyone not dlc it's silk song the next game in the hollow knight series Mm -hmm. like it's up there with people's excitement for like the next big indie game on switch that's saying something um and sports story i think you know as the name might imply it's not just golf but i think you get to play like tennis and various other sports very cool great game you can get it super cheap again my only complaint is that it starts to kind of overstay its welcome around the 10-hour mark. Um, but again, they keep mixing up the formula enough that you want to keep playing, at least for me in my experience. So, And speaking of golf, so I've talked many times on this podcast about being a huge fan of the Hot Shots Golf series. Mm-hmm. You know, Dating back primarily to the PlayStation 2 days, Hot Shots Golf 3, Hot Shots Golf 4, Open Tee on the PSP. I played that game so much. My dad played that game so much to the point where I forced him to go to GameStop one day and buy a PSP <laughs> so that he'd have his own copy of the game so he didn't take my PSP so often. But I also played Tiger Woods PGA Tour back in the day on the Xbox, GameCube, um, and not so much on the PS2. I primarily played that on Xbox and GameCube. And those games were different in the sense that you didn't have that classic three button click system you actually had to use the right analog stick on your controller to pull it back to pull back your golf club and then flick it forward to determine the power of your shot oh and if you shanked the 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 analog stick you shanked your shot right so it's it's not as simple as you know the three clicks the three click system i've never heard of that that's interesting. But I haven't played a game like that in years. I mean, the last Tiger Woods game I played was probably like 2007 or 8 on the Xbox 360. It's been years. Um, and, of course, after the scandal of Tiger Woods. I was going to say, it's been years since he's been like top of his game besides that one Masters. Yeah. So um, I think EA probably canceled their deal with him after all of that news service. You get into like a bunch of hookers and all of a sudden you're off video games. Yeah. What's the deal with that? <laughs> What's the deal with that? <laughs> yeah. But um but anyways, a couple months back, we got PGA Tour 2K21 hmm. um I think free on PlayStation Plus. 
it may as may have been as soon as like last month or the month prior but i need to go in and make sure i'm getting those i think i missed a month yeah you need to do that for sure um but anyways being in the golf mood that i was kind of coming off of golf story i was still looking for more of a real life simulator that wasn't everybody's golf or mm-hmm. hotshots golf so i downloaded it and i figured let's give it a try and in in most you know 2k sports fashion you get to create your own character it's called my player mode and more recently the 2k basketball games have been known uh, or infamous for like it would take hundreds of hours to max out your character's stats yeah. in a way for you to be competitive in the NBA. And it's probably changed out or wiped every year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I went in with that idea in mind with 2K21 PGA Tour that I was going to have to pump some serious coin to become the next Jack Nicholas type of deal. <laughs> yeah. um, lo and behold, you can just put the difficulty setting down to easy and just become, you know, Tiger Woods in a day type of deal. Nice. Um, so I've been having the time of my life playing PGA tour 2k21 um, you have to do a couple like introductory rounds to make it to the PGA tour itself and then when you make it to the PGA tour you're playing a lot of the famous um, courses but you're also playing a lot of the famous tournaments nice so so if you didn't have it down to easy mode would it require the coin Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's very invasive at all um, okay. from my experience so far. Now, if I was playing on legendary difficulty, I might that might be a different conversation. Mm-hmm. But so far, I've I felt like I've been able to kind of do my thing. And I've never once even cared to think about putting money into this game. OK, cool. Um, so there's, I think, 32 tournaments overall. And then you become like the master golfer and there's like a gold trophy associated with it and all that good stuff. Um, and I'm through, I'm through of the 32, I think I'm through like 18 to 20 of wow, the course. Already. I've already put 20 hours in this game. <laughs> your, I saw your eye twitch. <laughs> in, in a week. Yeah. yeah. Like I've been <laughs> pumping serious hours into this game and uh, I've also tweeted a couple videos. So like your hole in one. A hole in one. Yeah. yeah which is impressive. I've, I don't think I've ever gotten a hole in one in Hot Shots Golf and I've played those games cumulatively for like 500 hours. Wow. Um, now, granted, I'm, I'm also playing on, you know, kids difficulty over here. But um, hey, if you get the ball in the hole, you got the ball in the hole. That's, that's right. All I, that matters. I don't care how I did it. So, yeah. And if you're a fan of golf games, whether it's, you know, putt putt type stuff or you're a fan of the Hot Shots golf game series, I would definitely consider checking out PGA Tour 2K21, especially if it's sitting in your PlayStation Plus library. Yeah. Um, because I, I don't feel like it's a traditional sports game where if you don't play sports games on a regular basis, there's a steep learning curve. Because even right when you start the game, there's a little tutorial session where the person kind of walks you through all the different types of shots, you know, how to putt, how to drive, you know, how to chip on. If you're in the bunker, how do you, you know... Um, aim a shot that way and, and all that kind of stuff. So that kind of gives you the mechanics to, um, you know, start playing the game and feel comfortable. Very nice. So, so yeah, that's where I would have been spending most of my week playing. The last thing I'll mention, uh, not a game, but sort of game related, is Reggie Philome. He wrote a book called Disrupting the Game 
from the Bronx to the top of Nintendo or something like that. Uh, and for those that are not familiar with Reggie, um, I mean, he's a meme at this point. He's legendary in the video game space for so many different reasons. Uh, but most people know him for being the chief operating officer and president of Nintendo for many, many years. And he's also famous for, for many things, but he was, you know, the like chief marketing officer uh, at Nintendo during the DS, 3DS, Nintendo Wii, the Nintendo Wii U, and he helped launch the Switch. So all of those eras, he lived through Nintendo. And he wrote a book, you know, talking about a lot of those and sharing a lot of stories of the behind the scenes stuff that went on when promoting those projects, launching those systems, and, you know, his his relationship with Satoru Iwata, of course, uh, the global president of Nintendo until his unfortunate passing. Um, so he, he talks about and shares a lot of interesting stories along the way. But it would be difficult for me to recommend this book to people who are just looking for an inside look at Nintendo for 200 pages, because yeah. that's not what this book is. So much so that, like, yes, he opens the book sharing his relationship with Iwata um, and his tragic passing. But the next seven chapters are primarily centered around, you know, his experience in marketing, for working for companies like Pizza Hut and Guinness and Procter & Gamble and a few other companies and the strategies that he he implemented to really catapult a lot of these companies into the spotlight and what made them so successful. And along the way, I really what I really appreciated was at the end of a chapter or at the end of a couple of paragraphs of dialogue, he'll have uh, a so what box, mm-hmm. which is basically like either a couple sentences or a paragraph explaining like, yes, this was my experience working for this company or in this leadership position or trying to promote this idea in the company but here's the so what that you can learn from as a result of my experience. Yeah, it's a very business-oriented type thing to do. It like is. Why you should care what concept this is promoting. Yeah. And so if – I don't want to say like if you don't – if you're not in corporate America or if you you know, you know don't work in an office that you're not going to enjoy this book because I think there's a lot of um, excellent stories and kind of like a peek behind the curtain of Nintendo, especially during eras like – the switch or like the 3ds i mean one of the most fascinating stories that i found you know and i talked about this in a recent youtube video of mine where i shared my 3ds collection but the strategy around releasing the 3ds and at what price point it was going to come in at and reggie was pushing for it to be cheaper than what it actually was and for whatever reason he couldn't get um the folks in japan at the executive level to release it at a cheaper price they said we have to release this at 250 and they didn't have strong software at launch and for several months and they ended up dropping and axing the price to you know 169 like four months after the system released and so he really dives deep into um the philosophy around why you know satora awad and other executives said we have to come in at 250 and reggie talks about how that was his biggest failure while at Nintendo because he couldn't convince them that that was a horrible business strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's lots of stories like that deeper into the book. Um, and it's a super quick read. I finished this book in two quick sittings. 
oftentimes when I'm reading biographies like this and I'm familiar enough with the person and I've heard that person talk enough, like I've heard Reggie talk at so many E3s and so many Nintendo Directs, like I read this book in his voice, right, in my (laughs) head. In the same way that I did with Dave Grohl's uh, recent book as well. So if you followed Nintendo dating back to the Game Boy Advance days and you're familiar with Reggie, my body is Reggie, you know, I'm about making games and kicking ass or whatever he said back in the E3 of 2004. <laughs> like, pick up the book. It's it's so good. It's an absolute page turner. And, you know, again, whether you work in corporate America or not, I feel like there's a lot of great advice in this book about, you know, being a, a good leader, being a good leader of people and, you know, making sure your voice is heard when you think you have an idea that is an absolute game changer. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of the whole idea of the book, disrupting the game. Uh, and he has, you know, pretty practical advice around how to do that, um, you know, in your in your place of work. And you said it was 200 pages? Or About 200. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So quick I might read. try to check if that's an audio book. That sounds like an interesting one. Yeah. And if it's not an audio book, you know, you can just borrow my copy. I don't know how to read. Well, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so, yeah. Did that, and then uh, let's quickly hit the uh, the gentleman's challenge stuff. Sure. So for those that aren't familiar, our good friend Zach Archer, uh, he records a wonderful YouTube show with our other good friend Chronolink91. It's called Tarkaron. Check them out on YouTube, please. They're always doing great stuff. Recorded fun videos. They recently uh, reacted to and talked through IGN's top 100 games of all time. They went game by game and gave their thoughts to the placement of all of those. Made for some good laughs, and it was fun listening and tuning into that, so I encourage you to do the same. But Zach manages a Discord that's kind of like an offshoot of the old-school Pete's Game Room Forum days. So a lot of folks that were very active in that forum uh, ended up kind of creating this Discord. And every so often, they do this gentleman's challenge which is very much a tackling the backlog exercise. And so oftentimes, you know, you'll post 10 to 15 games that you're interested in playing and Zach will randomly pair you up with a partner and you each will challenge each other to play two games. And if you beat both of those games in the typically month to two month time frame, you're a supreme gentleman. If you beat one of the two games, you're a gentleman. And if you don't beat any of the games, you're considered a rascal. And this particular challenge was unique in that you weren't necessarily paired up with one person, but Zach put a little poll out there with everyone's games and everyone got to vote. So whichever two games got the most votes from the group, those are the two games that you were challenged with playing. So Ryan, enlighten the good people. What two games were you challenged with playing? Yeah, so I like this approach compared to the other, like uh, one person picking. I like to vote on everyone. It was a lot of fun. I, I put a lot of things in my backlog, some longer than others. Um, so I had a few Final Fantasies in there. Um, I had to put in 15 because I think someone would have to pick 15 for me to want to pick that up right now. I'm going to lock you in a room until you play that game. <laughs> I put in Sackboy, a few platformers. I had the Wolfenstein games, I think, that I borrowed from you. Um, I had Doom. So a lot of shooters. I had The Witcher 3, which would be a long slog, but another one. Um, and then the two that I got picked and probably the what I kind of expected out of this list was Final Fantasy VII Remake mm. as my number one and then Super Mario Super Mario Galaxy as my number two. Okay. So both games I'm excited to play, um, 
I, I think Final Fantasy VII. I might have to restart that one. I've I played through the original, so I know kind of what happens, and I played through maybe five hours or so. But if I'm going to go through the full thirty-hour game, I might as well start over and go through the first opening kind of nuclear facility. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I can't wait to hear your thoughts again. That was my number three game last year for my top 10 of the year. It's just incredible, dude. Yeah. No, it was a beautiful game. I really enjoyed my time with it when I played it originally. Yeah. So good stuff. We'll definitely have to hear impressions about that along the way. My two games I was kind of surprised with. So I put a lot of kind of PS5 games that are on my backlog. One being Cyberpunk 2020. 2077 because that recently got a next gen upgrade or patch uh, to work on ps5 and series x so i think a lot of the bugs have kind of been worked out and honestly i've just really been in the mood to play that game yeah i voted for that one i wanted to see if it was still janky through your experience yeah so i was surprised i didn't get that one and then the other one i fully expected to be uh one of the highest voted games was death stranding I also voted for that one. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I got the director's cut for that for PS5. Oh, cool. and, and I was honestly, that was another one. I was, even though it wasn't picked for this particular challenge, maybe later in the summer, if, uh, you know, we're going to talk about Summer Games Fest here later in the episode, if it is, if it ends up becoming as dry a summer for new games as I kind of anticipate it to be, mm-hmm. uh, and even into the fall months, because we still like have no idea outside of some Nintendo stuff, what's coming the rest of the year, Death Stranding's one I hope to play this year. Nice. Or get around yeah, to. I ended up because I never thought I would actually play it. I ended up listening to the like a story recap, kind of explaining everything, and it's it's a fascinatingly weird game. Yeah, but it's it's a good story. Leave it to Kojima. Um, and so the two games that I was selected or challenged to play are Kirby and the Forgotten Lands, my most anticipated game coming into the year. Uh, I think that'll be a great game to pick up here in the next couple of weeks. I only played the first maybe three or four levels. Uh, when I first picked it up just to kind of get a taste for it. So I'm looking forward to not only getting through that, but I will probably 100% complete it as well. And then the next one, I was wildly surprised that this was one of my uh, most voted for games. And that's Sonic Adventure DX on uh, on Steam. This game originally came out on the Dreamcast. And there are very few Sonic games that I look at and I'm, I'm like... I want to play that. Like mm-hmm. rarely is my response to any Sonic game. I want to play that. Um, but Sonic Adventure and Sonic Colors are the only two that get me excited to want to play. And so Sonic Adventure, I imagine's a relatively short game. So um, I think it's pretty realistic that I'll be a Supreme Gent this time. But again, I've said that many times before and I don't even touch the games I've been challenged to play. So. Yeah, I think I'm 50-50 uh, Rascal versus Gentleman. Yeah, um, I've never been supreme, so hopefully. Yeah, yeah. So more impressions on those four games probably in the next couple of weeks and months for Ryan and I. But Ryan, I want to briefly hit two shows that you and I have been watching recently. Okay. I want to preface this by saying that Ryan and I are not going to do or say anything spoiler related to Stranger Things Season 4 or Obi-Wan Kenobi recently released on Disney Plus. But I still want to give our brief impressions because for Stranger Things Season 4, the first seven episodes have been released. July 1st, we have two more meaty episodes coming and they are the final two episodes of the show. So once we watch those two, 
later this summer. I think Ryan and I will definitely carve out some time to do a spoiler-filled discussion of the entirety of the season and probably the, the, just the, the, series, just the probably. show at that point. Yeah. And then Obi-Wan, we've seen three episodes to this point. Three have been released. We have three more coming. So after all three or those final three episodes air, we'll similarly do kind of a spoiler-filled discussion of the season. Sounds good to me. But uh, Stranger Things, let's start there. I loved it. This is probably my favorite season so far. Um, I think, I mean, the cast is far older. Um, it's, it's weird seeing adults when we started out with like 13-year-olds back in the day. Um, I like the direction that they went. It, it's, I, I think the second season, if they were to do something similar, it would have felt stale. And they kind of go in a totally different direction that I wasn't expecting. And I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. As they kind of wrapped up the season with some of the answers to the questions that we had throughout those seven episodes, I, I felt like it, it it built out the characters for what I really wanted them to be built out. Or in the, I'm trying not to spoil it, but mm-hmm. it added some information to ca- these characters that I I was looking for yeah and i think that's for me one of the most impressive things really twofold so one you know in the hype leading up to this season which i would say my hype levels were so low because i really haven't thought about stranger things in so long because it's been so long i didn't even care if there was another season to be honest yeah and i feel like they've executed on that desire for more so well Uh, i agree i think this is probably the best season yet one of the most impressive things that i was kind of getting at is the development of these characters to this point has been so strong, but I feel like this season in particular, how often they give each character so many great moments to shine is so impressive. Yeah. Whether it's Max, Lucas, or, you know, Eleven, obviously the the main protagonist of this entire show that it's kind of centered around, uh, but Hopper and Mike and Joyce, everyone I feel like is so well-rounded this season, uh, and they just give each person some some great moments to shine yeah it was a lot of fun um i mean by the end of maybe episode two i'm like yeah i I wanted this i i i'm cool with this and i want to know what's happening and i just kind of steamrolled through the rest of the season yeah no it's it's so good so good and as you'd expect to this point in stranger things but i feel like even more so in this season the 80s vibes the music is terrific even like the set designs whether well Again, I don't really want to spoil this, but there's certain areas that it's just like, oh man, I wish I grew up in the 80s because of like what these kids are getting to experience on set right now. Yeah, and there's one song in this season that I guess plays a role, and it actually hit number one on the charts, which is higher than it was when it originally released back in the 80s. It's wild like what not only a show or a movie can, can like do that, TikTok. but even like TikTok yeah. stuff, you know? It's crazy the influence of some of that uh, and how that can go viral. Um So yeah, I'm sure that particular person is enjoying the royalties right now. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, why is my check bigger than it's ever been after 30 years of like three pennies a month? Time to buy an island, my goodness. But but yeah, no, terrific season so far. I cannot wait to see where things go in these next two episodes. And I'm looking forward to uh, doing a little spoiler cast for it when we get to watch them. But next up on the list, Ryan... Obi-Wan Kenobi, before we even go into the show, what were what were your expectations at coming into that? I had really low expectations. Um, as far as 
Disney goes with some of these shorter, like coming off the Marvel type stuff, they kind of just beat those series into the ground. I, I didn't have a ton of fun with those. Um, and then Star Wars stuff so far, The Mandalorian was a lot of fun. Boba Fett, from what I've heard, is not a good time. You haven't watched it yet? No, I haven't. I I had no desire to. I, I didn't mean, either. I, I still haven't seen it. I, I mean, it this and like Boba Fett and Han Solo are supposed to be those characters you don't know a lot about. It's the mystery shrouded in mystery. Yeah, let's that, keep it there. that builds the character. Like knowing Han Solo's backstory ruins this like aloof guy that mm. he is in the first three movies. Um, and then Boba Fett's supposed to be this sil- silent dude. I mean, it's cool that we understood that he was a clone through his son or through his father. Um, but seeing him like post Sarlacc pit from the, the seventh movie or sixth movie, um, I don't know. I, I just I haven't heard good things. Well, it's so, almost to me like I haven't watched it. It's I a money grab. Have, I have zero d- desire to watch it. But it's almost like creating an entire show around Master Chief. Like that, which they did and is awful. Yeah. Like, fuck. Like the guy, <laughs> it sounds like he's just constantly walking around without his helmet on. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Master Chief. The, well, the thing is, the pe- people who made that show didn't wa- play any of the games. Well, that makes sense. I mean, why would you do any kind of history why, before yeah. you create a show? They just kind of said like, I, that pisses me off. It, it's really bad. Like, the Covenant has, like, a human that they're answering to. Like, the prophets are listening to some human when they want to wipe... I don't... Fuck Halo. And, um... So, what were we talking about? Obi-Wan? Yeah. Yeah, so that. Um, I had really low expectations. I... You almost cheapen the brand by doing so much of it. And I think that's where Disney's at with Star Wars, is... They've had no... cohesive thought process when it comes to the new trilogy and i mean the whole like cruise liner star wars thing flopped well at least the last it's like five it's like five thousand dollars a room for two days which is nuts well i was just saying i mean at least we can hold on to the last jedi for being good you know dude that's like top 10 for me as (laughs) like the best worst movie no it's I, I'm not happy with where Star Wars is at. Um, at least we got Grogu. Yeah, um, dude. That, Baby Yoda. That's all that really matters. Um, but yeah, coming into this, I was just afraid they're going to ruin like the best character in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And like the best relationship between characters. And from the three episodes that we got, there's one character that really steals the show. Um, you have Obi-Wan who, Ewan McGregor is like one of the best people. Yeah. Well, and um, what I said on Twitter is I feel like he seemingly so effortless, effortlessly steps back into the role. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's one other character, which I'm not going to mention, who's great. Um, the antagonist falls short for me. Um, I don't know if it's the acting, the writing, it's just. I'd say the worst antagonist before this was Kylo Ren for me. Well, you have like Darth Maul, Darth Sidious in the first couple, and then you have Darth Vader and Palpatine in the next trilogy, and then you have Kylo Ren 
and you you killed off what's his face in the gold cloak pretty quick so it became kylo ren was the issue or snoke they kill off snoke within like two minutes um which could have been one of the best antagonists kylo ren was just this fucking whiny bitch (laughs) and then you have this antagonist who is just not good like and and it's even cheapened by the cgi which makes it just laughable Mm -hmm. um so it is the kind of fan service of seeing obi-wan cool sure um but unless the story picks up i think i think this is not a win for me i i would say it's almost better to leave it off you have um rogue one being the transition between the old movies and the new movies and it should have been left there um but we'll see we have three episodes left well that's kind of where i'm at too i mean i i think some of the stuff they're doing is pretty special stuff i didn't anticipate the stuff that i did kind of expect is sort of hitting um but i'm with you in the sense that you know the cheapened cgi stuff kind of takes you out of the element a little bit i mean this is star wars people like i don't understand they have some money like disney's it's not like you're I don't know, backyard type of company. It's they have two worlds, <laughs> Disney World and Disneyland. Like they're not hurting for money. Like, yeah, well, the fuck. pandemic, man, people weren't, you know, riding Magic Mountain or whatever the hell it's called. So, yeah, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, no, anyways, well, I, 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 or I think they got rid of Splash Mountain. They're getting rid of mountains, man. Dude. They can't afford mountains. <laughs> what a shame. They're going Did- to hills now. <laughs> Disney's really gone downhill. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But um, no, Obi-Wan, yeah, it's okay. Uh, I'm with you that three more episodes, there's absolutely no way this show is not getting a season two. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there, things are not going to be in a place. And I get it. This is all filler for things that we already have the thread lines through in the original trilogy at this point, right? Um, so we don't need this additional story to understand those movies better. Um, I just hope that they tell a story that's worth telling, right? That adds to or complements the original trilogy in a way that like Rogue One did in a way that was so satisfying. Yeah. I mean, they could have also left just Rebels being the filler as well because I that's mean, this, true. Take, this takes place, I want to say five or six years before Rebels does, just based off the age of some characters. And yeah, I mean... Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if it's... I mean, Mandalorian, I feel like, even will cheapen after, like, three... If they're trying to milk it for multiple seasons. Like, the same way Stranger Things, it doesn't need to go on forever. I Well, my biggest frustration with this is similar to what the MCU has done at this point, where not only do you have movies, but then those movies create spinoffs for other characters... And then those spinoff characters then start to have their own television shows. Like, I just hope that in a similar way that Mandalorian did Boba Fett and the Mandalorian also did, spoilers, Ahsoka. And now I hope Obi-Wan doesn't create two additional spinoff shows in addition to Obi-Wan. Like, it's just a Hydra. You cut off one head and you get two more Disney series. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's getting it excessive. Ridiculous. Yeah. And like... And I think this is what killed the MCU for me. Like, I think Endgame is the last time I cared about what's going on in the MCU. And I was like balls deep in MCU for like 10 years. I mean, they're the only films that came out in Hollywood for 10 years. Yeah, uh, everything that wasn't a remake of like old stuff. Yeah. No, it's, I feel like Star Wars, 
I'm just sad, man. All right, well, Ryan, let's <laughs> take a breather. Watch Obi Wan, guys. Take a it's, breather. It's Go get some coffee, you know, or something. <laughs> just relax okay we've got more video game things to talk about so everyone go refill your beverages during the intermission kick your feet up keep playing the good <laughs> video games ryan and i have to wipe his tears a little bit he's getting a little are we gonna do an intermission again he's getting a little mopey yeah i'm gonna queue up i'm gonna queue up that old sound clip from of mine. episode one yeah hey take- guys take a break from your ears or whatever the fuck i said <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, okay. yeah. Anyways, Ryan, let's take a break. We'll be back. We're going to be talking about Summer Games Fest, some predictions, some hopes and dreams. All right. You feeling okay? Yeah. You ready for more? I'm good. All yeah. right. Let's we get also, I mean, speaking of trailer, uh, we also got the Pokemon trailers. I, I think that's, or do we want to talk about in the game? It's yeah, Sword and Switch, you know, sweet. Sword and Switch. <laughs> yeah. Sword and Shield, too, basically. Yeah. yeah. All right. Violet and Scarlet. All right. We'll talk Pokemon's about it at some coming. point. Yeah. All right, Ryan. Let's get into the main topic of the show where we're going to predict and talk about Summer Games Fest and all the things we expect to see there. Sounds good. everyone here we are in the main topic of the show to talk about summer games fest but before we get into the meat and potatoes of all that fun stuff there was a playstation state of play this week yeah there was and i would say going into that my excitement levels were pretty in check because the past couple of state of plays have been pretty rough yeah i mean my my expectation for this was mainly indie games and that's kind of what like researching for the state of play um That's kind of what I was hearing. Like there was not going to be anything for like God of War or like some of the bigger titles. But I I was happily surprised. Yeah, so it was meant to be a third-party showcase. They they started it with a bang. Resident Evil 4 remake coming next year. March, I believe, 24th, 2023. Resident Evil 4, I've talked about it a couple times in this podcast in the past. One of my favorite games of all time. I uniquely originally experienced it on the Nintendo Wii not the GameCube or eventual PS2, uh, which added, uh, you know, an additional element of horror because yeah. I was using the motion controls to control Leon um, <laughs> around yeah. that environment, uh, which was just an incredible experience. And I've since played it on PS2. I've played it on PS4. I've beaten that game a million times because you can pretty much play it on your fridge at this point. It's been ported to everything. Um, and the recent Resident Evil remakes two and three were so good two in particular was phenomenal and i thought three was pretty great as well and so i cannot wait to see what they do with four um a lot of people were not overly impressed with this trailer just because we didn't see much in the way of gameplay um but if capcom's recent track record with these remakes is to go off of i think we should have nothing but confidence in what they're going to do with resident Evil 4 yeah i mean this is a game that I know it's highly regarded. Um, I never got really far. I think I got to the first village. <laughs> so like 
<laughs> like 20 minutes into the game. 10 minutes into the game. Yeah. Yeah. And it just wasn't for me. But I think if it's modernized and I, I'm not used to the feel or like the gameplay style of this type of shooter. Um, but yeah, maybe if it's modernized or gets a new skin, I'll, I'll play this one. There is no ifs, buts, or ands. There is absolutes when it comes to Resident Evil Ryan. Well, then I guess I'm playing this one (laughs) as a definitive statement. (laughs) Yeah, so I cannot wait for that. I'm not going to go down the list of everything that was in the state of play. The other two things that stood out to me uh, were Tunic is coming to PS5. And this is one of the games I really wanted to play. So being able to play it on the PlayStation will be nice. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to getting that. I believe that's coming in September. So that'll be a nice fall release. This is definitely one I want to be a part of the conversation when it comes to Game of the Year stuff. Yeah. Because I feel like Tunic is um, a good friend of ours that listens to the show, uh, Blink. This is his current Game of the Year. Uh, Because, again, this was originally exclusive to Xbox, maybe PC. It's on Game Pass right now. So definitely hop over there and play it if you have the ability to do so. But I'm looking forward to this coming to, to PlayStation. Yeah, me too. So... That's major hype, and then they ended also with a bang with Final Fantasy 16, a pretty extended trailer. To this point, we had only seen that one trailer way back when, I think during a PlayStation conference. If I remember correctly, I actually recorded a solo episode breaking down that conference, and then Lauren joined me on the latter half of the show. It was back in like the 90s or something like that. Um, <laughs> In terms of episode numbers, not like... You know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, it, uh, yeah, I get it. It feels like a long time ago, but <laughs> the 90s, you were like six. So... <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it was great to see this game. Um, legitimate gameplay. They're taking it in some directions that we've never seen Final Fantasy do before. Um, what, like giant mechs fighting? Yeah, they're summons, but yeah, it almost... Reminded me, for those that have played, um, what is it, Dissidia Final Fantasy or Duodecim Final Fantasy. It was a fighting Final Fantasy game exclusive to PSP. And then Mm. I think they eventually remastered the second one for PlayStation 4. Um, For anyone that played those games, it was a really unique concept. It was kind of like you were in an open world setting with some of your final favorite Final Fantasy characters. And then you would actually do like street fighter tekken type 1v1 combat to kind of progress the story and it looks like that's a pretty significant component for final fantasy 16 where these summons are fighting each other um and even some of the i it, i can't remember it but it almost looked like some of the on ground human characters may have some 1v1 battles too but beyond that the hud looks pretty intense um you know this is definitely an, a more action oriented combat system you know definitely unlike the earlier you know um traditional turn-based combat that we saw in earlier final fantasy games like this this looks pretty intense there's a lot of stuff going on on screen you see the damage numbers when you're hitting these you know enemies with your sword and whatever other weapons you have um and a lot of people are talking about how from a story perspective this seems to harken back to more of the medieval actual fantasy in final fantasy so like nine, Final Fantasy nine was really the last game in the series that had some of those story elements baked into it. So I'm excited to see where this goes. 
even if we never saw another trailer and the game just released, it was going to be a day one purchase for me. But this kind of just anted up that much more. But where are you at with this game? I mean, I've never played a Final Fantasy game. So, I, I mean, besides, to completion. Yeah, to completion. Besides the one that I'll be playing next, which is seven. Um, but I was pretty excited about this one. Um, I like the from the first trailer, at least the darker tones to it. Um, and then, I mean, I have nothing really to compare it to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think this will, depending on the reviews, be a day one purchase for me as well. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so the very end of this trailer, we did get confirmation. Um, again, light confirmation. Delays happen. We've seen it a lot this year already. Uh, but we're looking at a summer 2023 release window for Final Fantasy 16. And I believe this is what we were told when the original trailer released uh, a few years ago that this was going to be PlayStation exclusive. So um, it'd be nice if this comes exclusively to next generation, like PS5 only. Yeah. So that they're really building this out to take advantage of the console. Yeah, I don't remember. Did it have a mention like at the end of the trailer if it was PS4, PS5, or if it was PS5? I I don't believe so. I mean, something like this, again, since they're pulling it from Xbox and at least for the time being PC and making it exclusive to PlayStation consoles, I would think it's going to come to both because they're going to, it's Square Enix people. Like they're disappointed with every game that comes out and the sales numbers associated with them. So they're going to want to maximize their sales as much as possible. So I imagine this will probably come to both PlayStation 4 and 5. Which is disappointing. I mean, we're a year and a half into this generation of games. I feel like the transition, I get the chip shortage kind of slowed down production, especially PlayStation. Um, But yeah, hopefully they start building exclusive. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the next Star Wars game, Jedi Fallen Order, I think this one's called like Jedi Survivor or something like that. That is going to be exclusive to next generation consoles, which is very exciting. Yes. I I was actually looking for my copy of that and I couldn't find it. Do you have a copy of it? No, we bought it digitally. Remember? It never gave me the option to re-download it. It's telling me to rebuy it for like 40 bucks. You just got to go to your library and check it out. Yeah, I was prompting. I went to my library of like games collection. Oh, okay. And it prompted me from there to rebuy it in the store. Well, go to your local library, get a book, learn how to read. <laughs> Just learn how to read Jedi. <laughs> Maybe they have the Jedi Fallen Order yeah. sitting over there on the shelf. You never know. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what I took away from the state of play. Um, another game I know several people were anticipating is a game called Stray. I think that's another exclusive to PlayStation consoles. That's where you play as a cat. Um, that game doesn't really do anything for me, uh, but I'm looking forward to seeing someone like Pete Dore or maybe our good friend Blank stream something like that because, um, well, and here's the thing. I think that's also coming to PlayStation Plus day and date mm. this mm. summer. What I'm not sure of is when these new tiers for PlayStation Plus release, if you're not aware, PlayStation Plus is trying to build out something somewhat similar to game pass they're going to have multiple tiers for their playstation plus subscription service and the highest level will allow you to stream you know i think literally you know 100 plus potential games including some playstation 1 and 2 classics Um, i'm not sure at what tier you have to be a part of to get something like stray day and date i would if i had to venture to guess it's not going to be the lowest tier that i have so yeah I don't know if I'm willing to pay extra per month to get a cat simulator. Well, I mean, I guess just on that train of thought, it will be interesting to see going forward what types of games 
PlayStation's going to have day and dates or near release window if they're truly trying to compete with something like Game Pass. Um, I was, I wouldn't say impressed would be a, a significant stretch, but I think the lineup of games that they're going to have at release or launch of the service is pretty decent. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly if you are not a recent PlayStation um, person, and by, by recent, I mean the PlayStation 4 generation, if you get a PS5 or are able to get one this summer when that service launches, you're going to have a pretty significant buffet of great titles to play. I mean, you're looking at God of War, the Uncharted, the entirety of the Uncharted series, both the Nathan Drake collection and for the mm-hmm. infamous games, the Spider-Man 1 remastered and Miles Morales, um, Death Stranding, Ghost of Tsushima. I mean, you have some pretty fantastic, some of the best PlayStations had to offer these past couple of years that'll release on that service day one. But It's releasing PlayStation 1 and 2, but I didn't hear mention of 3. Are they releasing? I think you're going to be able to stream some PS3 games. What titles they are, I, I don't know. If they have resistance on there, they, that might be a selling point for me. Mm, yeah. But I, I doubt it. But yeah, going forward, what I was getting at is, you know, God of War Ragnarok is not going to be a day and date release for no. ever. And that's just not going to happen. Neither are the Insomniac games of the world or, you know, if Ghost of Tsushima 2 is meant to be a game that is in development that wouldn't be but i could see something smaller like a returnal and i say smaller in a relative you know relatively speaking that i'm sure they had a significant budget to 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 make that game um but stray it'll be interesting interesting to see how that does day and date on playstation plus and you know how much further up the triple a sphere playstation's willing to go to release games day and date on that service yeah that's a good question. But more to come. Uh, we can only speculate at this particular point in time. But Ryan, uh, what do you say we transition over to the Summer Games Fest side of things? Yeah, I'm game. Okay, so for those that aren't aware of what Summer Games Fest is, of course, E3, the Electronic Entertainment Expo that you know Ryan and I have done pr- predictions for in the past couple of years. Um, we've also been pretty forward in saying that that's been kind of on the downward trajectory in terms of the hype, but also uh, publishers and developers' participation in the show. Uh, The pandemic obviously throwing a pretty significant wrench into that um, with participation, but also the show even happening. So E3 this summer is not happening. Summer Games Fest, hosted by Jeff Keighley, is. And if you're not familiar with Summer Games Fest, um, I think it's about two to three years in the running at this point. I'm not entirely sure do you, think, do you think E3's gone for good and just it's going to be Games Fest is the new thing? I, You know, I don't know. I think what's getting more interesting is how much of these conferences are dependent on one person, and that's Jeff Keighley. Yeah. You look at Summer Games Fest, we have him in the summer. We also have Jeff Keighley in the fall hosting the Game Awards. So the question does become not only is too much, you know, how much is too much Jeff Keighley, but also... You have like to use old audit terminology. You almost have like a key person risk of like, what if Jeff steps away? Like, what if Jeff doesn't want to do this? I anymore? mean, when is too much Jeff probes? That's that's just not possible. Well, then I guess there's never too much Jeff Keeley. It's all about the Jeffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. 
Um, but my point is like, you know, at what point is Jeff going to want to do something else? Yeah. Um, You're at risk for putting all your eggs in one basket and that's the Jeff basket. Exactly. Yeah. What about Steve? You know, we we need a Steve to be hosting these things. We need anyone except Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) We need a Mark. Yeah. We, we need a Janet. We need a, yeah. you know, a Sandra, something. I don't know. We need to mix up the formula. Just Sandra Bullock is the next host. Dude. That pretty... would be bad. I'd be I'd be game for that. 100%. That'd be good stuff. Um, but anyway, so Summer Games Fest, uh, last year, pretty impressive. Notorious for creating the most viral episode of Otaku Brothers we've yet to record. Yeah, by a long shot. In the... Um, Lord of the Elden Ring, or the lore of the Elden Ring. Um, we recorded that episode last summer. Ryan broke down the entirety of the Elden Ring trailer that debuted at Summer Games Fest. So maybe Bloodborne 2 revealed in this next Summer Games Fest, and we'll do another, you know, Ryan does a frame-by-frame breakdown um, And they're going to have to, I mean, I don't know if you can be as big as Elden Ring as far as like most anticipated game for two years running. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I think they're going to have to go out with a bang, at least on their first day to at least hype up the rest of the week. Yes. So I have the summer games fest website calendar of events pulled up. And so summer games fest, the description here right on the website says a live cross industry showcase of announcements and games hosted by Jeff Keeley. So this is on June 9th. I believe that is Thursday. Let me confirm. Yes, that is Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And from what he tweeted, I believe there's like over 30 publishers, developers, whatever, um, that will have a presence during the show, Um, including PlayStation. Xbox has its own showcase. Not sure if Nintendo is going to be there or not, but dozens of publishers, devs that will be present. Um, So... In terms of what's going to be shown, I'm going to toss the baton over to Ryan here in a second to kind of go through kind of the rumor mill, what people are suspecting to be there, um, and just the rumors that are floating about of what we could potentially see there here next week. But June 10th, we have the Netflix Geeked Week Gaming. So basically a, I assume, one-hour conference where Netflix shows and game announcements will be present that's 1 p.m. on Friday, Eastern Standard Time. Later in the day at 3, we have the Tribeca Game Spotlight, which will be a showcase featuring exclusive gameplay and creator interviews from Tribeca's official selections. I have no idea who Tribeca is. Never heard of him. Yep. And then June 12th, which I believe would be Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Xbox and Bethesda Games Showcase. Join Xbox and Bethesda for a look at what's next. And it's not going to be Starfield. No, it is not. Uh, I think they've actually confirmed that they're not going to be showing gameplay at this one. Really? Yeah. Um, because <sighs> I, I think they saw how bad Halo's first like gameplay trailer came out with the meme of the uh, brute mm-hmm. who was just meme to hell. Um, which actually like forced the delay of Halo. Um, I, I think it's a smart choice. Um, it's concerning that they don't have competent gameplay yet. Um, it's not even a, a, a measure of competence. It's we haven't seen anything. This game is yeah. We have no idea what Starfield is yet, which is crazy to me. It it might not even still be a game. <laughs> I Bethesda. I hopefully they make a game within. The next few years but um so some of the rumors is 
I'm going to go through the kind of the unhighlighted main ones real quick. Okay. And then we can get into the ones that I thought were, thought were more interesting. <laughs> so the first one is Total War Warhammer. So mm. we saw one trailer for this already at one of the last conferences, but it's rumored that we'll get either some gameplay or some another trailer for that. So Total War, I believe, is like a real-time strategy game. Yeah. Um, it's been exclusive to PC for years. I, I could see something like this coming to Xbox, but otherwise, this is for the PC folks out there. Yeah. The next one is uh, Sonic Frontier. There was a oh, gameplay. Dude, this it, trailer has looks rough. It didn't look fun at all. Yeah. Like the... I feel like it's really empty. Yeah. Like it was like a, t- was it 10 minute or so gameplay kind of thing? I I originally thought that I wanted to play a Sonic game when I saw the original trailer. I'm the opposite opinion at this point. It just it yeah. didn't look fun. I a feel like of- you almost need the side scrolling or a linear path to make Sonic a good game. Yeah, a lot of people are comparing this not because of the way it looks or plays, but just in terms of the quality of it. This might become the next Sonic 06. Um that's a game that people have really come around to liking in a very meme-worthy uh jank-ass kind of way. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, man. This this looks pretty bad. And I'm speaking from someone that's not a Sonic fan and just gauging the uh the pulse of people on my Twitter timeline. I have some pretty hardcore Sonic fans that I follow, and even that those people are like, yeah, this isn't it. Yeah, which kind of sucks, but yeah, we might see hopefully redeeming stuff for that. Um, the next is from Warner Bros., either Gotham Knights or Hogwarts. I think we've seen a lot of Hogwarts already, mm-hmm. um, so it might be, uh, I don't know, maybe too much to see another one of those, but it's been a while since we've seen some Gotham Knights yeah. gameplay. Yeah. Um, the next one is Assassin's Creed. There's two of them that have a possibility of being shown. Oh, dude. Either Nexus, which is the VR, mm. or Rift, which is the next one. I hope so. I mean, I am. everyone knows. I mean, I can't get enough of these newer Assassin's Creed games, even though um, we did have a lot of crit- criticisms of this new trilogy. I mean, I wouldn't put as many hours I did in Valhalla if I wasn't enjoying that game. I literally platinumed Origins a month after stopping or putting down or beating Valhalla. And then three months later, I'm already picking up Odyssey. Like, that's more Assassin's Creed than anyone has any business in playing. For sure. So with all that being said, I'm really excited to see what this new Assassin's Creed, where it's going to take place. And if it's going to continue the trends of, you know, Origins, Odyssey and Valhalla. Yeah, I'd be happy to see the next one, even if I don't play it. Um, the next kind of rumor, and this has been a rumor for a long time, is Dead Island 2 from Deep Silver. Didn't th- that game come out? No, I don't think Dead Island 2 ever came out. I think it was rumored back in like 2013. Oh my, so really? it's been in like... Development hell forever. Yeah. Dude, I really enjoyed the first Dead Island. That was a time, man... That was one of the best trailers ever. Yeah, back like in the day. Is, yeah. Um, dude, that just takes me back to the good old days of Xbox 360... Halo 3, Rock Band, the first Assassin's Creed, all-gen gamers. Dude, Dead Island was a really, really good time. First person, zombie slaying, open world, get to craft your own weapons and stuff. That was that was a great game. No, it was a good game, for sure. Good old days. Uh, the next one, and this is kind of getting into more bigger stuff. Um, so similar to the Halo remake, the Marcus Phoenix Collection. Oh, gosh. Dude, I... Okay. 
<laughs> we still need to play that. We do. Continue. We do need to continue our Gears of War playthrough. I just, man, I, I'm going to jump the gun a little bit here uh, to move past some of these things that you're talking about and get into the Xbox Bethesda stuff. I feel like year over year, and it's such a tired conversation. I don't want to beat a dead horse about this, but I feel like it's worth stating again that every year you and I come to the table around this time of year and say, this is going to be Xbox's year, man. They're going to come to the table. They're going to show gameplay. They're going to wow. They're going to blow people's socks off. Everyone's going to want a Series X. People are going to be buying Series Xs for retirement homes, grandma, grandpa. Everyone's going to want a Series X because they're going to have these first-party system seller, AAA, life-changing experiences. And year over year, we still haven't gotten that yet. We didn't really get it with Halo Infinite, in my opinion. Um I'm I'm tired of Forza Horizon. I'm tired of Gears of War. I'm tired of F- Flight Simulator. You know, I'm also tired of acquisitions. Buying up the market isn't really impressing people anymore. Especially um, if you don't produce anything of quality. Game Pass also is is still the best service in gaming. I love it. Um, definitely um, ate my words from years ago about not being interested in the service. It is an absolute game changer. But what we need on Game Pass are... Triple A games, in my opinion, um, not only there's a great indie scene, I'm not denying that. There's a lot of great stuff from EA on there. A lot of games from the, um, you know, 2008 to 2015 era for people to catch up on. It's a great place to explore the indie game scene. But what kills me is I've been talking about Everwild since I was like seven years old. Okay. Back in the 90s. Like literally, <laughs> I feel like Everwild has been in development hell forever. They hired the Forza Horizon folks to build out a Fable game. That game apparently is reportedly, this is, I'm I'm taking this from some random article, Fable reportedly might have to be scaled down due to limitations of the Forza tech engine. So they're having issues. Perfect Dark, there was a recent article about dozens of developers leaving, potentially moving development teams, different developers taking it on. That's in development hell. Um... You know, Starfield, we don't really know wh- where that game's at, what the fuck it even is. You know, Elder Scrolls Six. I mean, I'm literally going to be going to my child's high school graduation before we even see a trailer of that say, game. If I can still walk on my own without a walker or a wheelchair by the time the next Elder Scrolls comes about. My I'd biggest thing is with Xbox is are they even capable? I mean, we have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. No idea. Yeah. I also want to be perfectly clear that this isn't Phil Spencer's fault. You know, like there's, I don't think there's any one person to blame with what's going on. I just want to know, like, how are they managing their existing studios in a way where they're going to be able to execute on their philosophy of building and developing the best games the industry has ever seen for the most powerful console humans have ever seen in the xbox series yeah, x you can tout it's the best console or the most powerful but it doesn't matter if you don't have next gen games to put on it to show its abilities it's like we're a year and a half into this generation and the lineup of new t- like triple a or high quality games for xbox is limited to like halo i hope and in- then you have the lineup for playstation 5 which blows out a at launch like it's two or three years of development that was planned out for the launch of the PS5. That lineup just at launch has blown out everything Xbox has done in a year and a half. 
What's crazy, Ryan, is last year, you and I, when E3 happened, Summer Games Fest happened, and you and I were kind of raiding, um, you know, all the different developers, Ubisoft, Capcom, you know, some of those third parties, and then Xbox and Bethesda, you and I walked away from that showcase giving it an A. We were like, that was the best show um, of E3 or Games Fest or whatever whatever it was, um, you know, such an impressive showcase from all the games that were in development and some of which we saw gameplay. We saw that story trailer for Starfield. Um, we saw the tease for Fable. Um, you know, we saw Avowed, this, you know, first person, you know, Elder Scrolls-like uh, medieval action RPG from, I believe, Obsidian, The Outer Worlds 2. Like, there were so many great games shown, but I, I just feel like we keep saying like in two to three years when these games start coming out, man, it's going to be a game changer. I feel like I'm getting blue balls waiting for any of these titles to like actually come out. I just hope in two years, two years and two weeks, <laughs> maybe two, years. maybe two years. I just hope in two weeks that I eat my words and I, we don't even need specific release dates for all these games. Although a timeline for some of them might be kind of nice but like if we just see some strong gameplay showcases that give us some evidence that these games are actually further in development than concept stages where last year that was kind of the impression I got from Starfield. So for them to lock in that 11, 11, 22 date was like, there's no way you're hitting that. Yeah. There's no way you're hitting that. I, I don't know. I mean, for both systems, I think the release dates for at least this year for the amount of like supply chain, the low labor force and like, I think labor or labor force was at like unemployment of 3%. So every industry is suffering right now. So as far like as far as dates for releases, I'm fine if you don't. Just yeah, like you were saying, we need to see some gameplay. That's the like one of the biggest struggles that I've had with Xbox and we're you bought an Xbox since the last time we shit on them, but like trying to yeah, hold Ryan, you want to know the first game that I beat on my Series X? Skyrim fucking perfect dark a game that came out 22 (laughs) years ago now granted that's more of my personality coming out because I joked for years that the only reason I wanted a series x was so that I could play rare replay but like I feel like I still don't have a reason to pull my xbox series x and for it to be front and center on my entertainment stand and I get a lot of people are like rusty you need to relax like I love game pass I love exploring the indies I love you know going back and playing you know, the Rare Replay collection or the Gears of War series or whatever's offered on Game Pass. But I'm really disappointed that at this point that we're still not seeing some of these titles or getting any kind of thing, anything resembling confidence that something like Everwild is even still going to come out and not just be completely scrapped. Whatever Indiana Jones project that they teased a couple years back is actually going to be a thing, you know, is avowed going to come out around the same time Skyrim 6 comes out or Elder Scrolls 6 or whatever. It's well, just... from what I've heard, it's actually further along than, like, they expect some avowed trailer. I sure hope so, dude. Yeah. I just, I well, want... Well, like, even, even the one AAA release, which is Halo, launched in a broken state. It has, like, 5,000 concurrent players, which is shit, and doesn't have split-screen co-op, which they've said they'd have for the last year. So, I mean... We're not going to play Halo until it gets split screen. Like no, that's I'd... one of the things that I hope they show in this is cold open, just two split screens playing through some Halo. Everyone would fucking erupt because it's been hey six months delay, six months. It's going to be phase two or whatever. Kick to phase three. 
if they just cold open the show or the Microsoft show with just two people playing Halo on top, like a split screen, that'd be fantastic. They're not going to have an answer to Starfield being delayed this fall. They're just not. Now, the interesting question becomes, you know, next year, one, is Starfield actually going to come out next year? Because I don't have complete confidence that that's even going to be a thing at this point. But like, what's in their near-term pipeline? And by near-term, I mean in the next like 12 months that outside of Starfield that, again, I don't want to use the word compete, but like, that's going to be like every, you know, the thing that the, the entire industry and Twitter is erupting on, like the next Elden Ring, but exclusive to Xbox. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, a lot of them, at least from what I'm hearing rumor wise on this list are just remakes of things. And here's so you a- have like double or GoldenEye 007 remaster. Oh, I'd be okay. I'd be which would be that. fucking awesome. Yeah. I have, there's double finds, which is rumored to be finishing up a banjo remaster but fuck me dude like i don't understand why they haven't given the rights to some other team whether it was the people who did new super lucky's tale like gosh they own the entire monopoly board at this point why do they not have a 3d platforming mascot why has banjo not been revived in the 20 years that they've owned rare like good lord i just don't understand how it's this difficult and even bethesda like yes everyone wants the next elder scrolls everyone wants this gargantuan space planet war exploring game in starfield but why not do something like sony has done more recently with you know their um naughty dogs of the world like we don't need an uncharted 4 experience that's that bombastic and big do a little smaller game sprinkle in a lost legacy every now and again you know we don't need spider-man 2 now sprinkle in a miles morales here and there you know yeah. I just I feel like they're kind of too big for their britches and just trying to create these massive experiences and they either come out or show them like Halo Infinite a couple of years ago and it's disappointing because the success of Microsoft and Xbox is riding on Master Chief and so when it disappoints the entire fan base erupts like crazy people and then when something like Starfield gets delayed everyone loses their confidence in Xbox but if they started using some of these development teams to sprinkle in some of these smaller triple a experiences from some of their development teams do you know how much the hardware like microsoft like that management manages the smaller studios do they have a direct hand like going and holding the ceos or the development teams accountable how does that i don't have no insight on how that actually works i think that's what everyone's questioning at this at this point is i feel like so i mean Working at a Japanese company, I know they're pretty strict when it comes to like eyes or T's crossed, eyes dotted kind of like they're on your ass. Yeah. So I could totally see Sony just being up the ass of all of their first party studios. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on at Xbox. I think very few people do except the people that are in that building. Um, but to me, it's just getting interesting. And again, I don't, they're not running out of time. It's, it's Microsoft. Like their profit through every, all their other products is like stupid. Right. So like Xbox never has to be profitable for them and it doesn't matter. Right. But like as a consumer, as someone who recently bought a series X, it's just like, what is going on over there? Like, I just want to peel back the curtain and be a fly on the wall and hear and Phil Spencer. I mean, that guy has got to be stressed to no end when he gets a phone call from Todd Howard and says, yeah, dude. So remember that game Cyberpunk? 
that's kind of what Starfield looks like right now. Um, so if we launch this, like, it's going to be rough, you know? Yeah. And, like, Phil Spencer has to then be the face of Xbox to communicate that message to the rest of the world. And he's the guy that's getting, you know, all the hatred and hate messages and probably, who knows, death threats at this point. I hope not. But, like, <laughs> he's, like, the coolest guy in the world, yeah. you know? And he definitely I, earns that salary of how much stress. Like, he's probably oh taking my decades gosh. off of his life. Literally. Like, I yeah. can't. I would never wish that upon anyone, especially like how few and far between they're executing on and delivering the things that they promised. Game Pass, best service in gaming, and it's continu- It's going to continue to be that. But until what point? Like, where yeah. is the cutoff where it's just like, you know, Nintendo, if they throw out a Game Pass competitive service, they never will. They're Nintendo. But like Sony, again... We never thought they were going to have a competitor for Game Pass. Like we never we and now they're 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 putting one out. Like we're saying now they're never going to have a God of War Ragnarok caliber game be a day and date on PlayStation Plus. But what if they do? Yeah. What if they do put Spider-Man 2 a day and date PlayStation Plus not, title? It's not going to happen until it does. Yeah, really. but I'm just saying yeah. if they did, man, I don't know. I'm I'm getting way too heated i need to show uh, dude i got heated on disney and you get heated on xbox the, the thing is i want them to, i bought a series x like <laughs> i want them to succeed so badly yeah i want to play these games i want to play fable so badly i want to play avowed so much i just want the games to come out man yeah no i completely agree i i'm avowed i'm really excited for i mean this is going to be what holds me over to potentially the next elder scrolls um Plus, the new region for Elder Scrolls doesn't sound like it's a lot of fun. But um, do you want to get into the ones? <laughs> are we, are, dude, I need to go take a bath. I mean, dude, it. So, Rusty, like he was saying previously in life updates, he got a new AC unit, but this room is still fucking swampy. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's. We open the door between breaks when we get water and go to the bathroom. There's literal steam and coming it, off Ryan's back right no now. No kidding. Like yeah. we walk out the door and we're like, "Oh God, yes!" Like it's like 15 degrees cooler outside. Yeah, it's like at least 75, 80 in here. Yeah, Ryan, let's let's go down the list a couple things. We can wrap it up relatively. I mean, I say early. We're already past the two hour mark. What else is on this list that you have written? Down? Um, so I have Star Wars Eclipse. We saw that trailer originally, oh, yeah. and. I'm, dude, this could be an Elden Ring for me. Like, well, this the interesting thing about this one is I think this is developed by like David Cage's Quantic Dream, like the people that did Heavy Rain, Beyond Two Souls. No, this one could be really cool. Yeah. Um, so I I was excited for that one. Um, another big one that could be huge is Silent Hill by Blubber Team. Is oh that the name? yeah, dude, Silent Hill would just that would uh, everyone would erupt for that one. That's been rumored for years. Mm-hmm. Um, you have EA with Dragon Age. Oh, yeah. They just released the title for that. I forget what it was. It was unconventional name for a, the fourth game in the series, but yeah. um, I'm hyped for that. Yeah. I mean, even a cinematic or just some more information, I don't expect gameplay for that, but yeah. anything really at this point. Um, I already said that the Halo co-op one, um, the GoldenEye remaster, which would be sweet because you, I mean, you were online playing uh, that a little bit ago, right? Well, Perfect Dark, I was playing. Um, but if well, they, I mean, the, you, it was like a group of people who got together and played. Oh yeah, using the Source Engine or whatever it was. Yeah, uh, Goldeneye Source. We were playing with Jason Heine and a bunch of other folks. That was yeah. awesome. Um, and then I have Obsidian Avowed. It's rumored that there's going to be more because 
the last trailer was just like the shooting the arrow and some like spell thing. Mm-hmm. A bit more of that. We rumored of uh, the banjo remastered by Double Find. So that'd have to be. Oh yeah, Double Find. That thank you. That would be a perfect team. Well, they they said that they aren't making a. I, I think they've actually said they're not, or they don't have the rights or don't have the plans to make a new banjo, but they're finishing up work on a remastered. And the videos that I was watching actually had like an up res remastered like clips of banjo. If, and it looked really good. If they have a banjo remake plans for this fall, listen, Phil, I will come and kiss you on the cheek. <laughs> yeah, dude. I will send you all kinds of like, you know, love letters. It's going to be great. Okay. Just release Banjo, please, for the love. And then the last one is uh, Blizzard Diablo 4. Um, mm. They just came out with, what was it Diablo Eternals or something on your phone? And I think computer is coming. But that one, a lot of fans of Diablo are pissed because it's a money grab. It's a free-to-play microtransaction fest that costs 100k to max a character or about a decade worth of uh, free daily stuff to actually max one character. Jeez. And there's multiple classes. So That's rough, man. Um, so we'll see. I, I mean, I'd be happy with just Star Wars and Avowed. Um, that would make me happy, at least. Yeah. Okay. I think would Avowed, that, that wouldn't be Microsoft exclusive. Oh, yeah, it would. would. Is Obsidian exclusively? I think Avowed would be exclusive, yeah. Well, then that would be a huge one. I don't know, because I think... The Outer Worlds, at least the first one, was Obsidian, and that came to PlayStation as well, and Switch. Maybe for that it's matter. just a uh, exclusive for a time period, like six months or something. Maybe I I could see Avowed being exclusive to Xbox, which would be, dude, I'm so down. Give me Avowed. Yeah. The game looks awesome from what we've seen. Yeah, but I don't know, man. Um, I need to chill before I stroke out. Um, <laughs> it's been, yeah, I'm. I don't take anything back. You know, come at me in the Discord comments if, if you have feedback for me or you completely disagree with what I said. Um, healthy discussion and debate is always makes for a fun time, especially around this time of year when there's so much hype and speculation around what these companies are going to show and, and what we want them to show and what we think they need to show. Mm-hmm. Um, how they deliver and what ends up coming of these conferences is always something uh, different. But uh, I'm excited. I mean, this type of stuff gets me so fired up in exciting ways, um, even if it's frustrating at times. But I miss the the hype and speculation around E3, and I feel like we still get some of that with with Games Fest and the Xbox Bethesda Showcase and um, everything kind of in between. So uh, definitely get in the Discord. Hopefully, this kind of ignites a fun, if not playfully, uh, you know, confrontational confrontational thank you discussion among everyone in the discord and if you're not in the discord please click that link in the show notes get in there introduce yourself and uh, join the fun discussion you know we're always talking about something whether it's game related movie sports there's all kinds of fun things being talked about by some of the best people so we are uh this is a pretty beefy otaku pros episode i think yes it has been nearly two and a half hours so we hope this episode found all of you well hopefully it complimented whatever game you're playing um or you know commute to work or maybe you're out in a jog wherever it is as we always say i hope it found you well when ryan and i and how often we're going to be going back behind the mics again we don't know but i i'd like to think that every two weeks we can begin to commit to that uh, because lauren and i are kind of over this chaotic hump with our house and everything that's been going on um you know we teased many months ago that 
Lauren and Ryan were going to do an episode together kind of talking about and reviewing a pretty hot indie game that came out last year. That's still in the pipeline too, and uh, we'd like to get more guests on here in the near term. But Ryan and I aren't going to promise anything. You'll know when the next episode comes <laughs> out because it'll be in your queues. Uh, and Ryan and I probably will try and get behind the mic next weekend if we can yeah. to circle back on all of our thoughts and what ended up coming from Games Fest. But all that aside... Every single episode of Talking Brothers, at least as we get to the very end of things, I have to turn it back to my brother-in-law, Ryan. Do you have any fun facts or concluding thoughts for the listeners this week? Uh, I, for, I, on my way here, I actually forgot or realized I forgot a fun fact. But it, overall, it's just been a lot of fun to get back behind the mic after a couple months of our sabbatical mm-hmm. and you going to every country in the world mm, at, yeah. <laughs> in this, at this point. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's good to... Uh, put some out again absolutely and hopefully again it found everyone well and you enjoyed it hopefully it was entertaining uh even if ryan and i got a little heated about our friends over at disney <laughs> yeah. and xbox yeah. you know, that, that's part of the discussion right you gotta get fired up every once in a while hey, if we're not passionate why listen right? yeah, exactly exactly so anyways everyone keep playing the best video games stay safe out there seriously and uh we'll see you in the next episode see ya truth is i thought it mattered I thought that music mattered, but does it bollocks, not compared to how people matter? <laughs> <laughs>